Russia was the, the Union of Soviet Social right. Republics. And they'd say, oh, but aren't you so glad that you're in America? I said, well, I know a lot of Russian filmmakers, and they have a lot more freedom than I have. All they have to do is be careful about criticizing the government. Welcome to Pop Life, a show here where we take more fun dives into different aspects of pop culture, movies, and of course, something me and my guests spent a long time doing, music. And I shouldn't use it in the past tense with my guests, maybe even myself. I feel I use it in the past tense because I don't tour anymore and I have my own personal feelings about the home hobbyist, which I have become. Um, but... My co-host today is not a home hobbyist. He still grinds it out on the road. My good buddy Conan and I are going to do something a little different when it comes to a music review show. Instead of taking a look at a specific band or genre, we're going to be exploring... <laughs> he types in the private chat. He's in these streets! Uh, we're going to be exploring a different year and the releases of that year and asking the question... Was this the best year of music ever? And I do have to give a fat ass shout out to uh, my good friend, Nick Vargo, who used to be a show promoter back in the day in the Riverside area. He also was in bands like most show promoters and just people in the music uh, business at a certain level. In general, he made the shirts for the Give Them a Revolution live show. Um and we were talking on the phone and he said that his young son who just turned 18 has been looking into different music he's trying to make his own music and you know us fathers who are music makers love it when our kids uh dive into something like that especially if they start getting into older stuff that we we dug and he said his kid goes jay man my kid told me 1993 is the best year for music and I was like, what the fuck is your kid know? <laughs> I was born in like 2000. And he starts naming all these records that came out in 93. And I'm thinking, oh, wow, maybe that's a good, good idea. And so I presented this idea to Conan. But the main reason I wanted to do it was because one of my favorite records <laughs> comes out in that year. Um, also, we're going to open up the phone lines for a bit on these shows because we want to hear what y'all have to say. And also, as we keep doing these, we'll be bringing in other guests as well that want to pontificate on years they feel are some of the best years ever. When I was talking about this at our Valentine's Day get together in L.A., um, Ben Burgess goes, 1968, you better have me on. <laughs> And I decided, and I'm going to tell Conan this, I didn't get a chance to tell him, I was like, we're not going um, further back than 68. 
I don't think we need to talk about 1955. We don't need to go into Brill Street. It's just, it's just necessary. Um, since the show is about music, I wrote a thing or two about that in a new mini book that's in its second edition. And thanks to you guys, that book is a close second to Slavo Zizek's book on everyday analysis. There should be a link in the description. If not, I'll put a link in the chat comments. Um, I'm still waiting for my copy of the second edition. I heard it's supposed to look better. So the year 1993, the year we're going to be examining today is 1993. For me, maybe the two most important releases of that year kind of define my musical trajectory. Bjork's debut and Souls of Mischief's 1993 to infinity. But so much more dropped this year, just to name a few. And I did make this list just to fuck Conan, by the way. PM Dawn came out in 1993. Jeff Foxworthy, yes, the You Might Be a Redneck If guy, dropped his You Might Be a Redneck If comedy album in 1993. A Tribe Called Quest amazing follow-up to low-end theory Midnight Marauders. Nirvana's follow-up to their massive major label debut in utero. Tony, Tony, Tony dropped Sons of Soul. Dark Throne drops a black metal classic in 1993, Under a Funeral Moon. Red House Painters drops their self-titled album. U2, a band I do not like, dropped Zuropa. Onyx came out with Back the Fuck Up. De La Soul has one of my favorite records of theirs. The oh-so-jazzy Balloon Mind State. Smashing Pumpkins have Siamese Dream. And that's just to name a few. And also, I want to add, just because we're acknowledging the success or groundbreaking nature of these albums, doesn't mean we're necessarily fans of the genre of the band. We're just attempting to examine a year and ask the question, was 1993 the best year of music ever? Please welcome my brother from another mother, Conan Neutron. Thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> You're a lovely audience. I yeah, that, that, that list cracks me up. And I, what I love about this is that you could talk to five different people and get five different lists of, of like the highlighted records, right? From a notability standpoint and personal taste. Like it really was a, a pretty stunning year for, for music. So I love the idea for this show too. Can I, can I ask you a question, a little personal yes. question? And if, if it's too personal, I'll, I'll back off. Do you, can you say where you're actually from? Yeah, well, I'm from a town called Modesto, California. Okay, I, I don't know if you talk about, you know, your <laughs> other. Rep it. I, so I we're, but we're, but we're the same. We're the same age, but I think I'm a, a school grade. I graduated '95. You graduated '96. No, I was '95 too. Okay, you're, uh, you graduated yeah, yeah. the same year. So we yeah. were sophomores in high school in 1993. Yeah. I'm in the San Francisco Bay Area. You're about what two hours south. I moved. Yeah, I, I moved to Oakland in 90, oh, fall of 95. Right after high school. So, right after high school. Yeah, yeah. Well, I did like a like a half semester of JC, decided it was not for me. And then I like, <laughs> took off and wanted to get to where, like, because every time, because the thing is me and my friend Clay was on the cover of the first Secret Friends record, is we were always in the Bay Area anyway, like seeing shows, because that was like what we wanted to do. Like, oh my God, like this is this is what we want to be a part of so i've got up and out and then like i just i mean i'm like 
leaving that town was, was like a virus being expelled. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it was not, it was not my vibes. And I, I basically, nothing good was going to come if I, was hang, if I hung out any longer in Vanesta, frankly. And peace and love to all the people that stayed, but not me. I have stuff to do. Well, and the Bay Area in, in freaking, dude, in 95, mm-hmm. like my rent, one bedroom apartment, $525. Working at minimum wage at Tower Records. Minimum you wage. You could live, dude. You could do it. I was a father in 98, so you yeah, <laughs> working not much more than minimum wage. Can you imagine me and my bud? He worked at the video store. I worked at the record store. Minimum wage. And we and we were and we were there and we were doing. It. I'm not gonna say we're living high in the hog. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, but like there we were was, living. There was, great, there was great music coming out of the bay at that time. Even the job I had a little few years, 1993, because I was we we're 15. But yeah. in 95, right out of high school, I was working at Ned's Bookstore in Berkeley, and a Pep Love from Hiro worked there. Uh, oh sure, yeah, from yeah. The, uh, from uh, AFI worked there. Yeah, <laughs> there was a bunch of band people that. That ended up working at that spot. So, so the tower that I worked at uh, always had all the sort of Bay Area notables would come in to shop at the tower I worked at because mm-hmm. it's like the fourth coolest record store out of four. The Viva, yeah, Leopold's. Like, Leopold's was around during that. Time. Leopold's was around that. So tower was like the un, like they would never be recognized because people there would be looking for like Celine Dion and something like that. They, they look, they're not looking for like yeah. Green Day or Rancid or anything along those lines. I, I watched the Tower Records documentary, and while I rather enjoyed it, yeah. it didn't for me as a Bay Area person. I didn't have that same love affair with Tower Records because we had Leopold's, and after Leopold's, you go to Rasputin. Yeah, well, exactly. That's why I'm saying like, and so many cities didn't have that. So it was a big deal. By the way, yes, the band Granddaddy is from Modesto. Notable things from Modesto are me, the band Granddaddy and Lacey and Scott Peterson. And that's pretty much it. American Graffiti is placed there. George Lucas lived there for some time. And that, that, that's about it. That's about we it. have a whole chapter in the, in the kayfabe uh, documentary about Lacey and Scott Peterson. <laughs> I'm sure. it's, it's one of the it, only it, things. It's, it's more interesting than people. I don't want to get into it because I want to stay. I want to stay. Yeah. And, and, and people are popping off in the chat all on, on great records too and, and like again that goes back to what we were saying mm-hmm. or, by we i mean me that that you could make a every, give five different people to five different lists right I, I i just saw some of my favorite records listed that was like was like was, was i really 93 i'm like oh i guess it was you know it, they're stuff that made me want to play music which is you know more or less what i do when i'm when i'm not podcasting yeah, I mean, it's it, 93. It was a big deal. Uh, Fake Train, first Unwound record. Unwound, one of my favorite bands of all time. I played in a band with Vern, uh, briefly called Household Gods with Dave Ajo of Slint. And, you know, that's crazy. Because that, that comes out the same year as all this other stuff. And I think that there's a lot of people that are going to think about the the pop stuff. Uh, my joke was going to be like, when you're like, known for two records, I was going to be Aerosmith, Get a Grip, and Meatloaf, Bad Out of Hell too. Fucking get it? Okay. <laughs> Aerosmith is a band. Those were huge. Those, those were, were huge. Records. Aerosmith. Is, let's talk about Aerosmith for a second. And and yeah. I'm not the biggest. I'm not an Aerosmith. It's a garbage era of Aerosmith. By the way, I I, I real quick before we talk about it, hmm? uh, rocks and Toys. Uh, Toys in the Attic are amazing rock records. And but they almost have nothing to do with whatever they were doing in the 90s. But those Desmond Child ballads. Desmond Child is also yeah. the same guy that wrote the thong song. And did you know he was <laughs> yeah. also the dude? I forgot about that. Yeah. Did you also know that he was the dude that fucked Cisco out of all his money for that song? Cisco did he really? Was like, I didn't make him. I didn't know that. I did. Yeah. Neither did I. But, because, but it's fu- because you know why? Because when he goes, she was living La Vida Loca. Yeah. 
They sued him for that. Wow. <laughs> and Desmond Child wrote that. And and Cisco called him and thought it was going to be all cool because they were friends. And he was like, yeah, sure. It's all cool, brother. I'm just going to need my half. Yeah, yeah. As long as you get that money. Yeah, as long as you give give up that I, I, I It is impossible to describe, too. And I, and I just, I am not a big fan of 90 Zero Smith, like, at all. But, like, jaded. It was ubiquitous in the way that I would do anything for love, oh, man. but I won't do that. Like, you could not escape that song. No. Like, it was everywhere. Like, even, like, I, I, you know, like me, I'm sitting here in my record store and, and like, I have... <laughs> You have, you have to, like in uh, general, the hose. Yes, you have to answer this question as okay. um, all all TIR guests now. Thank you, Dizzle McFizzle. I like that. Um, I almost got to a point before we immediately taken off topic. But yeah, yeah, okay. What, um, what, 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 what wants what? to know? Are the hose loyal? Are the <laughs> are the hose? This is this is like a, what is the sound of one hand clapping? Uh, <laughs> that's, that's serious business. I guess it depends on. Well, I guess it depends on the hose, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, and, and, and loyal to whom? You know, but uh, these these are the questions. These are the questions. These philosophical Conan on the Pe- question of how Pe- people are asking these questions more and more. Yeah, I, again, there's there's a lot of uh, media that would that would say that hoes are indeed loyal <laughs> out there, and maybe even have a heart of gold. Maybe they are. Yeah. Uh, but but back to back. To I, I hope that about. satisfies the criteria. I I I thought that was coming. I didn't think it was going to be quite so early in the show. Oh, dude, it, you can't ever. Thank you for. I, I love everyone that watches this show because the show now has taken off and has its own thing. Yeah, it's yeah. Bigger than me, and that means that something we're doing here is cool. <laughs> when when you, right. when the chat has created something bigger than you. Okay. So meatloaf and like these Aerosmith stuff is just rampant. But meanwhile, we got unwound with their banger fake train, which, you know, they, they upped it almost immediately, but changing the indie rock landscape, making me want to play music in a way that I didn't realize before. And you have like arch of loaf, icky metal, that record comes out. What we know of as indie rock, which usually doesn't in fact rock. <laughs> you can trace a lot of it back to arch of loaf. I just went to Chicago last night. I live in Milwaukee. Now I saw the Jay Robbins band. Jay Robbins from Jawbox. Killer show. I am literally wearing the shirt. <laughs> Jay Robbins Band Baskets. I bought the shirt. That's how much I like it. And one of the bands that was opening is band Deep Tunnel Project, which is two of the guys from the band Tar, who are a Chicago noise rock band, who also, they had a record that come out in 93 called Toast on Touch and Go. And Tim Midyet, who plays in the band called Silkworm, he plays in the live version of Sun sometimes as well. Uh, and Silkworm didn't have a record come out in 93, but they had an album come out in 92 and 94. Jawbox, the band that uh, Jay is mostly known for, mm-hmm. for Your Own Special Sweetheart, which Savory was a pretty big hit, yeah. indie rock style hit, right? That was 92. And then the self-titled record, which is my favorite, and had that cover of Cornflaker. Wait, no, that might have been For Your Own Special Sweetheart. That was 94. So they didn't have a record in 93. But I just saw, and Alan Epley of Shiner played too. The point of the story is I just saw Three bands last night making new music that all were active around that. And when I told Jay, and I stand by this, is that if Jawbox had never existed, that his solo records, I'd be like, this band is amazing. This band, this is my new favorite band. Like he's still making like, like meaning that it's not like a, a 
Civil War reenactment or something. You know what I mean? Like it, it's real. It, 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 it's real stuff. And so I want to make sure that's represented while we get into everything else. Uh, first Frank Black record, solo record, Frank Black from the Pixies. I really am into the first three of those before the Catholic stuff. Uh, that was a mind blow because the idea of anyone from like the indie rock world always went out a solo record. You know, that it just was like, whoa, crazy. The dude from the Pixies. But he had to because more or less like – like Kurt Cobain was the first one to be like, yo, if there's no Pixies, there's no Nirvana, mm-hmm. you know, it's straight up. And, and doubly notable that both Nirvana, who's the favorite band of mine came out with in utero, one of the most uncompromising and harsh follow-ups to like one of the biggest hit records ever in the history of music uh, and Pearl Jam, who I'm not a fan of, <laughs> put out their second record. That was not grunge. It was not like what people wanted from them. It was something totally different. It's not for me necessarily, but they, they charted their course, which is no, we're a band. This isn't like some put together thing. We're a band and we're going to be the, a band in the way that we can be. So the people that do love Pearl Jam versus is a big record for them. And Pearl Jam was one of those things that even if musically not really my deal, by all accounts, from firsthand accounts of friends that have worked with them, toured with them, et cetera, et cetera. Like it's, they're like the best people ever. And they're making a, a musical ecosystem that is supportive of other artists because people that are in their crew, uh, Brendan Canty of Fugazi, like have, has like gone on tour with them, like doing like video stuff and things along those lines. And he's like, yo, those guys are the best dudes ever. And I'm like, you know what? That's the kind of thing that like, look, man, I ain't going to put this on. But I mean, they got some riffs, you know, good, good for them. That said, Pearl Jam's not really my. It's not uh, my deal. It's ne- that's never been my bag, dude. That's never been my bag. I'm. But they, yeah. But th- those were two of the biggest bands. Like we're yes. talking about 1991, year punk broke, whatever grunge, etc. Two of the biggest bands. Both have their follow-ups the same year. Both you know, very different follow-ups that weren't what people wanted from them, mm-hmm. but connected in a different way, and that's interesting. Tool, Undertow. Yes. That's another one that, that came out. Sure. Which, by the way, first time I heard Undertow, I was like, oh, it's like Melvin's with different vocals. Really? That's what you thought. Yeah, because I was a Melvin's fan. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And like, honestly, if you, the, the later records less so. But mm-hmm. Undertow, if you listen to it, think about it. Like, I mean, you listen to like some of like the, the, the hits, you're like, no, they were they were operating in a very similar category. Because it was more straight. It was less proggy at that point, right? It was less King Crimson. Yeah, more, yeah, uh, I, I definitely agree with that. And I was never the biggest Tool fan. I mean, you know, again, Tool and... I was never really the biggest Nirvana fan, but I right. definitely like Heart Shaped Body. That single came out. I was like, this is really, I like this single. Yeah, you're more into I will do anything for love, but I won't do that. Right. That was more your vibe. Uh, 93. <laughs> um, rock Wise, what came out I'm of 93? Of course, rock Pork wise, Soda, Primus. I'm not going to lie. I'm not, pork Soda, yeah. I'm not going to front. I was a big Primus fan for a long time. And that, that was a that was a tape. Tape. They got a lot of play. Radiohead, that's the... Oh, the Pablo Honey, which is not a good record. So can I tell you that I found a website and I forgot to send this to you because I got home a little late last night and I know you're you know a few hours ahead of me. Yeah, yeah. That actually has some reviews from magazines where these albums came out when they came out. Oh, okay. And one of the reviews for Pablo Honey, there was there's there's critic reviews and then there's uh, fan reviews and all the fans said it was the worst record ever. You know, and on the critic score, it only got like 68 out of 100. Which which is which one? Pablo Honey. Pablo Honey. You know what? It's not a good record. I don't, I don't, there's like two good songs. I, like, which is makes the bends all the more amazing that like 
they really and and everything from i mean look radio is one of those things that i don't go to that church <laughs> you know what i mean but like i i admire the i admire the art I, like i there was a time where you could not say the word radiohead without getting like an unrequested monologue about everything radiohead has ever done from dudes and i just it's, it's not, that's not my vibe but respect and i think the bends in okay computer great amnesiac kid a that, that's a that's a great run Oh, Angel Dust. Was, was Angel Dust 93? 92. Was that Okay, all right. Yeah. It's like if you're not looking at my notes. <laughs> I mean, Creep, Creep comes out on that record, and I think that was their ubiquitous. But yeah. I think one thing we have to remember is, you know, they were a band in what, like 87? I think they start trying to yeah. you know, do stuff. So the, I'm sure a lot of those songs were songs they wrote, you know, years before. Yeah, and they, and they and credit where credits do, they stepped up. Like they didn't start yeah. off amazing. They got better. And I'm actually super into bands that do that. Yellow Tango comes out with Painful. Painful is the first of a three record run by the, where they step their game up. You had that, you had Electropura, and the the one the, the one everyone was. I can't the, the, I can picture the cover. I can't think of what it's called right now. But like they had that three record run that like again, if you're talking about indie rock, those are important records. And and they they got out of like, oh yeah, we're record nerds who also play music. And they became like, no, this is a band, like, you gotta contend with this. And in a good way, I can hear the Heartbeatians one. That's the one I was thinking. Uh, so 93, 95, and 97. So they they were like Creedence Clearwater Revival style, like knocking out these like just banger records every two years. That again, for indie rock was a big deal. And that's not exclusively what we're gonna talk about, people. Don't worry. Don't worry. Well, I you know, I want to switch gears a little bit here to hip hop because there's a band, there's a couple groups that have some pretty good three album runs. And I think Try sure. Call Quest definitely Tribe, has a yep. three album run that let's just admit it peaks in 1993 with Midnight Marauders. <laughs> right, right. That Lethal, record Lethal Injection is a 93 too. Lethal Inject, dude. Yeah. Talk about peaking. Yeah. <laughs> Ice Cube releases. <laughs> We're, it's, it's the year of our Lord 2024. And I'm still seeing memes about it was a good day. Yeah, no, that's. That is very and real. and I do want to add that I think Thursday Bert Cooper and I will be talking about people like Ice Cube, mm-hmm. um, kind of challenging this notion that these guys were were somewhat revolutionary, and yeah, it'll be it'll be an interesting talk. It, it, as much as I'm looking forward to people yelling at us about what albums we forgot and oh yeah, it's already happened, love man. and hate. That is going to be an episode where people are definitely going to throw a lot of middle fingers at like, uh, Bert and I in the comments. Like show is show is still happening, and people are are mad we haven't mentioned their favorites sorry people it's, it's the way it's there's the a way there's goes, so you know? many you know what else comes out in 93 the tim burton's nightmare before christmas soundtrack danny oh elfman. oh yeah dan and that's, that's, a, that's yeah, one of the danny elfman like bang uh, speaking of which i just had steve bartak from one go bungo on the show oh tonic great dude and, and who's was like he's like danny elfman's right hand man and we're doing a i uh, saw a little bit of that we're doing the second part of that pretty pretty soon as well but yeah try, so okay so lethal injection Doggy style, right? Not only doggy style, but you have Del Funky Homo Sapien releases his second record, which I thought was amazing. It didn't do well because of doggy style. I think they came out on the same day. That that was no need for alarm. Yeah, Mad went on it the first single. And, And doggy style was like Nirvana, like in its way of just it took all the air out of the room for anything else. Because there is stuff like. The other stuff that was going on there, they're great records, but like not 
all of it hit in that same way. I and mean, that, that was another ubiquitous, especially you, you, starting you, with you, that Dre record. For, you know why? Because that for me is when rap becomes a lifestyle brand. Right. Yes. And that's when you it, they everything really digs in. So I don't know if you remember this, but that's also around the same time that St. Ides Malt Liquor <laughs> right, right, hires yeah. all these rappers, all the rappers to do these one minute songs for St. Ides. And if you go on YouTube and just type in St. Ides rap songs, they're all there. And they were. I remember we saw a commercial for one. And we were like, this is the greatest. I to this day, I don't drink, but I was very tempted to start with St. Ives because of those commercials. Also, uh, Balloon Mind State by De La Soul, which, oof, uh, such a, talk about a group where each album is a different journey. And the first De La Soul record, they're trying to make them the new Beatles, remember? Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the Daisy Age. These are These are black hippies. And they really hated that. And they kind of kill that image to a certain degree with what I thought was a darker, more experimental sound because they're playing with like house music, which I'm a big fan of. Hadaway comes yeah. out in 93 as well. But Balloon Mind State, oh, the jazz in that record. There was nobody doing that. No, the, the kind of that. the less skits they have in the record. It wasn't funny. Oh, so many skits. That's what people, folks don't even know. It, like rap records, especially this is something that's not age. Well, every God pounding record had a, had like multiple skits. They get le- <laughs> less funny every time you hear it. And the only rock equivalent is that Queens of Stone Age record. The, the songs for they the did have. Yeah. Where, where, where they have that. And it's again, same thing where you're just like, I never want to hear this again. Like I've heard this on the, and like, but it's hilarious. The first time. Oh, that's hilarious. That's funny. Or some Jeez, of them. Hey, some of them are what, actually pretty You know what we get from all that shit? D's nuts. Exactly. <laughs> People are still saying, still saying that. that. Still saying so, that. So you know, 1993, one hell of a year. All, uh, you know, I can, said can, it can, on the on the opening monologue. A record and an artist that you know you you played with me in in Le Fin, yeah, or you know shows with with Le Fin. Cindy uh, sang with you for yeah, for it, it, some, it, some Secret of, Friends, yeah. Bjork and yeah, oh yeah, you. no, it, and oh, oh. Yeah, huge, huge record. And there's a lot of, well, because it's, it's almost like, okay, what genre do you, because there's so much stuff being made that was pushing genres. Ahead. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to be real, because if I don't mention it soon, people are going to get super pissed. Mm. Wu-Tang Clan. Oh, dude. That was a game changer. <laughs> yeah. And, and like, they made that, the, if people haven't seen that Hulu series, so there's a documentary that's HBO. Good. That documentary is uncomfortable to watch, but it's really good. It's, no, it's it's hard. To, it is hard Ooh. to watch. The the awkwardness is kind of rough. With but the, old... the narrative miniseries, despite the fact that some of the casting decisions is like, huh, that's not at all what that dude looks or sounds like. It's really really good. And and basically the the best part of it is thirty six chambers, like the the run up to that, right? Because it's and it takes a while to get going too, because it's telling the whole story, and it is indeed that a story, but. It is one of the best representations. And I was on another podcast. I was on uh, KT Baltzaro's podcast, What If I Don't Like It? And somehow this came up for some reason. One of the best representations of songwriting hmm. that I've seen. And strangely enough, one of the other ones, the freaking Eminem movie. 
freaking Eminem movie where he's like going through the song and it's like not because everyone uh, portrays songwriting in movies as like some divine inspiration and it's like, yes. like that stupid yeah. ass queen movie that like I'm like man it is not, are you freaking kidding me it's not like that at all anyone that plays music anyone will be like it is not remotely cinematic and like you come up with parts and things are there and they start to come in and then it's kind of wrong but then it's kind of right etc cetera, etc cetera. the Wu-Tang show absolutely nails it so quote, props to RZA, because that's all, I mean, he's like the mastermind, <laughs> not just with the Wu-Tang Clan, but about that series. It's very well done. It's very interesting. If you're remotely interested in that band, got to watch it. Really, really. It's, it's I feel it's, uh, Wu-Tang Clan, the the adventure begins. <laughs> An- another <laughs> another rap group that I, I don't think has gotten a lot of respect. An American Saga is what it's called. It's on Hulu. And- I, I've never seen it again. Hulu, you can't get down here. Oh, really? It's yeah. bootleg it because it's, it's worth watching. But the thing is, he kind of unfolds it like a Sopranos or Breaking Bad or something. Like, you first sure, like, there's their kids and they're running around. And you're like, when are they going to get to this goddamn music? But, like, by the time they do, you're like, oh, this, you get a sense of the scope and scale of what these dudes were up to. It's well done. It's well done. I'm not, I'm not going to say they're just proselytes about this damn Wu Tang show you can't see. No, but, no, no. I, I'll, I'll definitely check it out. Like I said, I love the documentary. Bex Loser comes out in 93. Another rap group that I. Am a actually a huge fan of that I've got to see live a few times over the years. Mm-hmm. Freestyle Fellowships first record, a uh, first label record. Oh, nice. Uh, Inner City Griots comes out in 1993, and I loved that record. Loved it. Speaking of love, but the only I love PJ Harvey, but mm-hmm. in my opinion, the best PJ Harvey record is Rid of Me, which comes out in 1993. And, and of course I say that because that's the big rock record, mm-hmm. right? And that's the one that like, there is nothing that sounds like PJ. And as much as people are, oh yeah, you know, whole, which I like, but okay, that's a whole separate conversation. And other quote unquote female rockers, you know, Breeders, uh, Last Splash comes. Ooh. Ooh. But PJ Harvey, Rid of Me, nothing to this day mm-hmm. sounds like Rid of Me. And part of that is like, it's all very much Steve Albini production. So it's funny to hear that in In Utero coming out the same year and you get In Utero, which I it's my favorite Nirvana record. And it is absolutely harsh. But if you listen to the mixes they did with Albini, Chris and Dave, that are like closer to what it originally was before they were like, we need a single. Can we dick with this? It's even more it's even more uncompromising uh, In Utero. I, I watched a documentary thing about the mixes, so I guess my question is like, what? Oh, oh and I was gonna say real quick, and then funny thing is, Elvis Costello yeah. talks trash on Rid of Me because he is of the opinion he was a big uh, PJ Harvey fan from the beginning, mm-hmm. and he was like, oh well, this could have been reached for a wider audience if they had basically not been as like brutal sounding with the recording, like if it had been sweet, which of course is what she does for like to bring you my love and the records after that, and to great success. I mean that one. Big fish, little fish swimming in the water. That that song was a huge hit, you know. Uh, and, and then she's obviously PJ Harvey's great. PJ Harvey doesn't need advice from anybody. But but rid of me is kind of like true heads no uh, for a record. And one of the reasons why is because man, it's it's a it's a mean sounding record. And they're just you gotta understand like the year of the woman. They kept proclaiming like the year of the woman. It was like Courtney Love, Love and time. there's PJ Harvey and there's well that turned into Lilith Fair, yeah. which is a much tamer version of what it was. But it was always Courtney Love and PJ Harvey and some other broad like Cat Magellan from 
Babes in Toyland or something. No, they seriously, they had like that third slot that they would just like rotate out with like, oh, we got to find some other chick. Let's put on, uh, let's put this one on. And, and, and it, I just, Courtney Love is a fraught topic that we could do whole shows on. Hole is actually a great band that people can't appreciate because of the Court, personality. Is like, it's like when Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez were just killing movies together because people just hated them because they were yeah. too pretty. Right, right. Yeah, that's Courtney <laughs> Love to me. People just hate her. It's like, you got to fuck my idol. Yeah, and I would, it, that kind of ties in someone that we have not as of yet mentioned. That I know you mentioned. It was a bone of contention between us because I do not like this band, but... Billy Boy, Billy Boy Corgan. <laughs> you know, okay, so a lot Live of through this is ninety four though technically. But, uh, so. a, 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 it says Siamese Dream is ninety three. Ninety, yeah, ninety three Siamese Dream. So the 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 big whole record comes out in ninety four. So okay. it's a year after after this, but it's still people were talking about. Oh, oh, what do you do? Didn't Corrigan write that whole record in ninety four? Okay, so here's what I here's what I can tell you. <laughs> that record. And I know this because I've had Patty Schemmel from Hole on Protonic Conversion, which okay. my show, which which is what behind me. There, that one is predominantly. Kurt was a huge fan of Courtney, of of their music, and that one. There's certain aspects that he helped out for songs that already were written. They were just adornments. They were just the kind of thing that happens like a natural conversation where everyone's hanging out in a house. And the reason why I know this is because it's like. It was Eric Erlinson who never gets talked about with Hole. But Eric Erlinson, like, he's huge. He was a huge part of that. And because he's not a named dude, people don't, don't even think about it. But Corgan, man, some aspects, it's, 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 it should be noted that if Courtney Love wasn't a woman, I don't think people would be trying to give credit for dudes for, for that record. Because mm. it's, it's not what happened. It, and there are aspects of things that, you know, some collab stuff, like things that were maybe this will be something, maybe that'll be something. But it's it's notable how much people because she's just an irascible personality, right? She's she's a lot. Courtney Love is a lot. And people want to take away the fact that like, yeah, she can write some good songs. Man. You know what it feels but like as a collaborator. She's not like a Bob Dylan. But you know Tony, I mean? Tony, you know what it feels like to me? Because the 90s for me is really what sets into place my feelings that gets put into what I write in Teenage Anarchist. That is, of course, it, it, it's, it's like the central like thesis statement, <laughs> like, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. like the, these people, these people, it feels like to me that people like Courtney Love, who for all intents and purposes, lives in the culture of authenticity, right? With her punk yeah. rockness. But once she actually gets legit fame, like I I will never forget her fucking with Madonna at the MTV Awards. <laughs> That's right, I forgot about like, that. Threw yeah, a yeah. shoe at her or something. Yeah, yeah. She oh, was no. like the Absolutely. queen of punk for a hot minute and yeah. until she wasn't. And I felt like she wasn't because she reached a certain point of fame and i think a lot of those people in that genre and you know i look at 94 as a year where we stopped calling certain bands grunge 
I don't hear yeah. unless you're talking about grunge, you throw Soundgarden in. If you're talking about Soundgarden as a band, I never really hear people go, "Yeah, that grunge band." No, exactly, because the, the uh, bands had to transcend it because it became known as a, a specific moment in time. When it was funny that like it wasn't even something that anybody wanted in the first place. But it is fascinating that okay, so you have lived through this. That's collab with Kurt, mm-hmm. and people gave uh, Kurt credit for writing that. Celebrity Skin. Fraught, that is like literally Courtney Love as celebrity, and that's the one Corrigan like helped out with. The co- it was a collab, collaboration. Meanwhile, at the same time, that producer hated Patty Schemmel and just wanted to bring his dude in. And Patty's already having a rough time. There, there's a a great book that she wrote that I highly recommend for anyone in, into that kind of thing. That what is it called? I can't remember what it's called. Oh, it's Hit So Hard. Oh, uh, okay. And, I know of the book. There's a documentary as well, which is good. The book is better because it's all Patty. But basically, this producer, and you got to understand, like Patty Schemmel is like one of Rock's great drummers. Mm-hmm. But like, she was Courtney Love's drummer. So it's always going to be overpowered that it's Courtney Love. Everyone's going to talk about Courtney because he's just, there's this locus of lightning rod of, of controversy, if you will. Right. Uh, and then Eric Ergenson, like, it was a huge part of Hole as well. But like Kurt wanted Patty in Nirvana, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, like that was the thing. And then, and, and that was going to be a thing for a little while. You know, it's, she was that good, but this guy, the celebrity skin producer, she wanted to go with someone that was going to make a big, she wanted to do like a big pop record. So that's that celebrity skin record. Right. And this is years later. And dude basically made it. So she, so Patty Schemmel couldn't win. He just had her like doing Take after take after take. Nope, that's not good enough. Nope, that's not good enough. Nope, that's not good enough. So he could fire her and bring in his guy. That's whack. It is nuts. And I highly recommend... uh, Patty Shemmel's an incredible person and an incredible musician. I highly recommend the book and to a lesser extent, the documentary, just because you see what she, the struggle she gone through, as well as addiction and stuff like that. But I find it obnoxious when people... Like, there's plenty you can bag on with Courtney Love, but the band Hole was a band. And Celebrity Skin is where that started to change. So that's later on. But Live Through This is like, no, that's like, that band could have done like a Creedence Clearwater Revival, which they have like a like a great run of records. People are like, wow, it's people still talk about it to this day. But all of the attendant nonsense and the fact that they were inexorably tied to Nirvana and an unwilling superstar in the way of Kurt Cobain really hurt that band's legacy. The fact that like, you know, you're talking about stuff that like, you know, TikTok kids get into from the 90s, right? Nobody's talking about whole. Ain't nobody talking about whole. I'm seeing people talk, use the word sellout. And this is my opinion on the idea of sellout. First of all, if you that think. such a thing. That oh, was such on. a thing. This, let, me, let me get this off my chest. Hold on, I'm going to do this. I never do this. If you think. <laughs> if you think any artist doesn't want to reach the widest audience possible and just wants to play to 40 people who know who they are, you're massively, I don't want to say it <laughs> on the main show, you're you are a little tarted because there's no way in the world that you just want to play to 40 people forever. You want to reach the widest audience possible. That doesn't mean you're going to sacrifice what you do musically it just means I would like I would love to reach more people. You've played shows in front of the bartender and you've played shows in front of a few thousand. Yeah, it's better. Which the second one's way do? better. 
Yeah. <laughs> Which would, did you change anything about it? No. I mean, like it's it's and and it's it's an issue. And so if we're talking about ninety three, we have to talk about the sellout discourse because that's what it was. There was quote unquote discourse that every conversation. Oh, so and so they sold out. And it's like, which is hilarious. There's that Metallica documentary where Newstead goes, yeah, we sold out every seat in the house. Jason Newstead. <laughs> which is always hilarious. But no, any band that signed to a major, because remember after Nirvana, everybody wanted their own Nirvana. So there was what I call it the gold rush. I call it like the gold rush of music. That you had like, you have bands like Tad. People are like, oh, there's commercial potential with Tad. And if you listen to Tad, I love it. But like commercial potential. That's there. why me and you both hate the term grunge, because you're like, none of this shit sounds the same. Right. <laughs> I mean, look at Mud Honey. I am literally talking to Steve Turner for Mud Honey after this show, like in a couple hours, oh, no. right? Uh, which I'm super stoked about. Mud Honey, arguably the most consistent band from Seattle, and also came out of the gate with their like era defining song. But like they did, like Mud Honey was going to be as big as Nirvana. No, they're too smart ass, man. They're too like. There's no way. There's no way. But like, touch me, I'm sick. Yeah. Can you pass this along Great. to the Mud Honey gentleman? Sure. I never, I did not like them. It just was something that wasn't on my radar until a couple years ago. I watched the documentary. Oh, the I'm Now one? Is that what you Yeah. Are? Yeah. I saw the documentary. Yeah. I was like, oh, the, just randomly watched it. Yeah. Again, knew nothing about the band other than they existed. Yeah. And I, I, I saw them live kind of passingly working a festival once. And uh, I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. And then I I kind of got into them. So those motherfuckers rock. And, and, and a you know sad what? day that Mark Arm, he passed away, if I'm not mistaken. No, no, no. no they, they're not only still around. They Who? just I thought somebody passed away from the group. Not from Mudani? No. Nobody oh, okay. from Mudani is. Even Lucan is alive, even though he hasn't played with them for years. And like that guy's been drinking. Okay, well, fuck yeah. That, I thought those dudes were actually pretty cool. And I, I was like, oh, wow, I missed out on this. That's what I love about, the, the, I'm not going to lie, this is one thing I love about Spotify and having the history yeah. of recorded music in your phone. Right, right. You so go, you just, I like, go back and try to listen to all this shit that I missed. Like another band that comes out in 93, Entombed with Wolverine Blues, which is a kind of a death metal, black metal band. Yeah, oh, Entombed, sure. Yeah. yeah. I'd heard about them, never really gotten into them. And the other day, I was like, I'm just going to fucking get into this shit. And I was like, oh, this shit is fucking heavy. Shit, I love this. Putting the, the heavy metal distortion pedal in front of in front of their amps. Sure. What was Neurosis up to at that time? Was it Enemy of the Sun? Probably. Yeah, Enemy of the Sun. Yeah. That came out in 93, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's- you know what else comes out in 93, Conan? Huh. The Cranberries. <laughs> the only show mentioning neurosis and the cranberries in the same yeah and okay i'm looking at it right now so here's some albums that came out in 93 smack bunny baby by brainiac that's relevant i'm gonna uh, i'm gonna give you guys the dates they came out and the, and the names so yeah slow dive outside of your room may 17th yeah neurosis enemy of the sun right before my birthday august 17th uh, what else is a notable record? I'm be real. I didn't get into Rose until I moved to Oakland, so I was still like, that's like two years later for that. I mean, that's fair. How would you? We're not dissing them. We're saying they came out the same year. I'm just, it's a contrast. Settle down. <laughs> Some look at, I shouldn't look at this chat. <laughs> there's some, there's some. Sleep, Holy Mountain. Oh yeah. They all. This list also puts singles on here, so it's hard to tell what's right. um, what's an album and what's not. Ace of Base, The Sign, November 23rd. No shit. And it opened up my mind. No, it's wild. Do you know anything about like those 
that band is people. Like some of them kind of like have some Nazi ties or something. Sus ties. Yeah. It's a little okay. sus. Do you know anything how that works? Well, look, I mean, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not the one like ultimately they were like nineties ABBA as far as I'm concerned. Right. It was sort of like, yeah. Oh, we got these like good looking Swedish folks and they're singing, you know, that that's, that's as much as like, I never like thought about critical theory on like Ace of Base or anything, but yeah, it's, there's a whole situation with them where the one dude has like the, the one of these like uh, super freaking Teutonic looking guys allegedly has like some some past Nazi ties, which is funny because it's like well because first of all there was like the sign and there was all that you want is another baby. <laughs> that was a huge shit about Hitler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. You breed more Aryan. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think about that. That's fucked up. He's <laughs> another baby. Yeah, as long as it's white. <laughs> yeah, so like basically someone on earth like an old man of his like when he was like a some some synth man i think it was called commit suicide or something along those lines sounds about right yeah yeah and, and like there's like some picture of him doing that like yeah, yeah, like, yeah. kind of thing and then, yeah yeah it's and, and, know, it, and, and like he's he was he basically chalked it up to youthful indiscretion which is like okay i guess if you're like that freaking you know mayonnaise white like i guess you can get can you get away with that sure i guess but it seemed to go away but i was surprised because like when you think of ace of base i call that supermarket music that's music you play in the supermarket where you're trying to you know i'm trying to get some bread trying to get some some juice and what do you hear you hear uh-huh. <laughs> yeah or, or all that she wants it yeah exactly you hear it's supermarket stuff right you don't really think of, for me you don't really think about it maybe other people are seeking out the ace of base looks great on you fine and I felt like it was almost like it was a more candy coated version of stuff like that, like cranberries were doing, which, you know, there was a little more of an edge. Not, I mean, I can't believe I said there's a little more edge to the cranberries when I mentioned neurosis. Two minutes ago. <laughs> but I mean, Ace of Base was very much packaged pop music, you sure. know, and and, and it, for what it is, Nazi ties and all, you know, it was it was, it was well done for sure. But you got to remember, like, this year, like, that's when Whitney does the Dolly Parton song. And I, I... Yeah. You know what else comes out in 93 that I actually, one of the songs is one of my favorite songs by this band. By the way, right. real quick, uh, important note on I Will Always Love You, written by Dolly Parton. Elvis wanted to do it. Colonel Tom Parker, last minute, was like, yeah, you're going to have to share the publishing. And he's like, no. No, I'm not going to do that. No, really? you can't have it. So Elvis Presley, at the height of his career, the the, the Vegas the later Elvis was going to cover that song. And she said, no, because she is the savviest businesswoman. And here's the thing, that Whitney version that built Dollywood, that straight up built Dollywood. Like her, like people that don't know Dolly Parton has employed most of that state with a theme park dedicated to Dolly Parton. That was basically built by her being the savviest hustler in the game. I mean, like, you cannot have one dime of this publishing. That's funny that two of the biggest R&B songs in the 90s are covers. Yep. Say Goodbye to Yesterday and I Will All... Or and, yeah, and I Will And the Whitney song, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, sorry, sorry, I just... I think that's fascinating. I think more people should know that. And and I love that Whitney Houston, Whitney Houston and Dolly Parton are, like, you know, like, tight, too. And, like, got a friendship together after that. That was kind of... Had. Had. Yeah, passed. Sorry. Whitney, you know, that's a damn shame. 
Anthrax comes out with their first record with uh, their second lead singer, John Bush, in 93, Sound of White Noise. Right. Right, right. Was it the, was it the Big Four? Was, was it the... Uh, they weren't called that yet. We haven't found out who the Big Four is yet. But yeah, Anthrax is part of the Big Four. And one of my favorite Anthrax songs is on that record, actually, only. I, I liked the John Bush years quite a bit from that band. I, I like John Bush's voice. Anthrax is kind of like the mud honey of metal. It's anyway, you know what I mean? Like, and I, I mean that as a compliment. The fact that like, just, you know, they kept at it and did the work, and like, you know, never had a big flame out moment necessarily, but never had like a huge. And those and those guys, you know, there's been moments where those motherfuckers had regular ass jobs. Sure. Yeah. You know, as most musicians do. Scott Ian in Mr. Bungle now. I love that. Oof. Gene was on this show, so he's actually overseas right now with those dudes. They're about to do a tour in Europe. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oxbow's playing uh, Caterwan. I'm stoked, I'm stoked to see him in person again. Uh, um, I mean, we played with Oxbow like a ton back in the day, but like, I like the people like actually recognize that that's a good ass band now. It, it one of the I, I <laughs> it only took like 30 years. I had a great show. If you guys haven't seen it yet, if you guys haven't seen yeah, it, the show with Eugene Robinson. He's a great guest. He has a lot to do with what I'm doing now. I, I thought his career trajectory, I don't want to say post music because he still does music, but I'm he's a smart, him. that guy's a smart dude. Great writer. You know, yes. that last book, I mean, all his books are good. That last book's real great. I mean, like, he's a fascinating dude. It, it, I, it, and when I saw you had him on, I was like, oh, right on. That, like, totally. It took a while for it to, to transpire, but we finally worked out schedules. Uh, here's a massive record that's still a massive record for this gentleman. Lenny Kravitz. I'm going to go my way. Which, so what starts that song off is the drums. Yeah. And I that read drummer's somewhere, sick. I read somewhere that that's one mic. Really? Like it's, it's a room one mic. room mic. It's a good ass sounding drum set. Also, what kind of room mic is that? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, exactly. You can sell a ton of them. No, I mean, so I, th- I think, you know, there's, there's some real candy ass Lenny Kravitz. <laughs> to be clear, that song, that song rips up. But, oh, I'm going to tell you two more, two more artists. And and you might not know these. R. Kelly comes out with twelve play. Okay. No, I'm very right? in ninety-three. Remember, I worked we, at a record store this year, so yeah. Tony Braxton has her self-titled yep. record, yep. which was a monster. It's just another sad love song. So many middle managers coming in buying that. <laughs> and then this song. This song right here that really to me, this woman launches not, not the careers, but she sends the careers of a few. 90s artists into the stratosphere. Linda Perry, four mm. non-blondes. What's up? <laughs> I can the ball and I step outside. <laughs> and I get real high. And yeah. I get real high and I. Her and her hat. She had that hat in that video. Yeah. My God, those hats got so ubiquitous for a while. I was like, why are these goddamn Linda Perry hats everywhere? And this is years before she was like writing songs. For, was it? Is it Pink that she's that's, Pink? Like, and uh, and she wrote Beautiful for uh, oh, uh, Christina yeah. Aguilera. Yeah. That four non that four non blondes record, man. I had a roommate who just he would not stop playing that. Like very flaming gay man, I should add. I don't know why I feel the need to uh, mention that, but like, but he the thing is he didn't. It wasn't just what's up. It was like he he celebrated the entire bigger, better, faster, more. Well, you know, their story is a really interesting one because they were part of like a queer punk scene in yes. San Francisco, and yeah. when they got their deal. When they were recording a record, they were their drummer. I think their drummer and guitar player couldn't do it. 
Yeah. And they were like, dude, can't do it. We got to get a dude in here to do it. And it was like, they got a lot of pushback from the actual scene people back home. Like, oh, you guys sold out. Yeah. Because you got rid of your member. And it's like, you know, you're in these studios in 1992, 93 were very different before Pro Tools. That's why I'm saying, man, like Patty Schemmel got done dirty on that celebrity skin record. And, and like, that was, the, that was the least of her problems at the time. But that was like the last thing holding her on to like life. You know, and like, because stuff was really real for her at that time, and and that's like the the real life ramifications. And now we get into where it's like, oh, hey, these producers just doing whatever they want. You know, swap this one out. Let's get some more foot, like uh, <laughs> like hiring someone for their looks. You know what I mean? Where it's like, oh, this person has the right look to be in this band. Like after, I feel like '93 mm-hmm. was also unfortunately when record labels decided, oh, we can make our own bands. We don't need to find bands anymore. Why don't we just make our own? Let's just like. These guys look good. Yeah. They're all- well, that's how rock music starts, right? It, it is. And so there was a brief period where it's like, oh, no, it's not that it was a meritocracy necessarily, but like mm-hmm. they let the freaks in for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And, and then they were like just trying to figure it out. And that led to, again, that gold rush mentality of any band. Man, Shudder to Think was on a major label. And, 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 and like, I love that band, but that band is weird as hell. It's weird. That band is weird as hell. They were like, well, there was, yep, again, this will be the next Nirvana. No. Because Nirvana, <laughs> I, I think Nirvana shows the music world. Maybe you don't agree with this. I think Nirvana shows the music world that you can be a hardcore punk band. Yeah. And have extreme major label success right. because the labels passed for about a decade before on all the hardcore punk bands. Sure, and even uh, Bleach, they did like when they got reviews, it's like, oh, it's it's like Melvin Blight, right? <laughs> like no one, no one, when they make that record, and and then they start signing those other bands from the scene that also yeah. have huge records, Alice in Chains, Soundgarden, and yeah. Pearl Jam, and I, I'll take Pearl Jam off, but I think Soundgarden's a bit of a hardcore punk band. Well, Soundgarden, unfortunately, yeah, it, it, unfortunately, they have the same as Jawbox, and it's like the year before and the year after '93, right? But but both those records are, like, I mean, we could do whole shows on those records, you know? Yeah. What I mean? Like like Soundgarden, especially, that's a band that I, I I think it's cool that people have gone back and back and sort of reexamined Soundgarden and be like, you know what? There's a lot here. There's a yeah. lot here that maybe people focus on Chris Cornell being shirtless and looking good. And it's like, no, but this dude could play and write these amazing tunes, man. Like, this is like, it's no joke. And it's a shame that like people had this critical reexamination literally after the dude killed himself like that. And then, and that happens far too often. Unfortunately, give people their, give people their flowers while they're around. I'm sorry. I don't want to be a dick. Well, that's kind of how I'm trying to live my life at this point. Salt and Peppa come out in 93 with Very that's Necessary. Right. So all their big, huge commercial hits. Oh, my God. Uh, that that was another one that was like, how many freaking videos were like huge hits off that one? Shoop. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, what else was that? That's all. I, I don't even want to think about that. What record. a man, what a man, what a man, what a man. What a oh, God. man. <laughs> <laughs> Too, too much. Another a rap group that comes out in '93 that I, I won't lie though, Push It's a jam. That's an earlier record. Oh yeah, Push yeah, It's yeah. That's, that's an objectively great tune. I mean, look, that album was a great album, but I would rather hear the '80s stuff at this point because it just got played way too fucking much. It got pretty dire after that record for for Salt Pepper too. Like that, that's a whole, I mean, cautionary tale almost, if you ask me. But uh, us three comes out in 93 remember us three i do bop. 
<laughs> Yo, was that the Scatman year? Oh, is Scatman '93? <laughs> Scatman John? Was that was that, was that, that the year? Scatman year? We got to look that up. Queen oh, Latifah does now. the Black Rain. My least favorite Jodeci record comes out in this year, December twenty first. Let, let's let's look at you know what here. <laughs> We're not we we have ignored R&B and the 90s were a great year for R&B or a great era for R&B. So I'm going to start naming some R&B records that came out in the 90s. Real, you real, guys, real quick, Scatman yeah. John recorded in 93, released 94. Mm-hmm. And also, yeah, so it does not quite qualify. I will say the story, if you have the time, we're not going to have it on this show. Mm-hmm. Look up John Paul Arkin, professionally known as Scatman John, because that dude talk about a late period. Uh, late light late in life success that dude was in it for years grinding it out and like had that huge worldwide hit which isn't a goof ass song yes it is but like he it's worth checking there, there's like somebody actually someone's gonna do a biopic on that guy and i have called for an immediate stop to all biopics after this last year of movies <laughs> but that is one that i'm like you know what i would watch that so scatman right. john so, so sit back. I'm going to name you some R&B records. Lay it on back and listen, listen to some names. Okay. Cool. Janet Jackson releases her self-titled Janet. Sade releases Kiss of Life. Mariah Carey releases Dream Lover. Yeah. Whitney Houston. We said I have nothing. Michelle and Dege Ocello. Plantation Lullabies. Was that the one where it was her and the Coog? Like uh, the the. Uh... I don't think that was on that one. Robin yeah. S. has Show Me Love. Tevin Campbell has them ready. Ooh, I used to love that. <laughs> Baby face. Baby face. Wild, Wild night is next year, by the way, which was the, uh, that was, uh, the, the, with the, the John Mellon camp, Michelle, the big and show. H town. H town. H town comes out. Somebody rocking, knocking the boots. <laughs> fucking 93 was better I, fucking year for R and B. So R and B killing it whatever that came from punk rock that they called grunge and like everybody basically rebelled of that against that title. But like, whatever that is, indie rock, right. Mm-hmm. Rap. I mean, good Lord, just for freaking Wu-Tang alone. And in uh, the ice cube record, it would Oh, be- you want to hear some rap, some rap titles? From yeah, lay it on me. yeah. Oh my God. They, they only have it as West coast. hip hop. It's so, <laughs> what a, what an amazing website this is. Not a website you're on. Whatever it is, don't give it a plug. It's terrible. <laughs> you know what's funny? They only have it as under West Coast. <laughs> That's so so I'm utterly fascinated. So I I will be the first one to admit I did not uh, we sold it. I don't think I really listened to Wu Tang mm-hmm. Clan until like I don't know, six or seven mm-hmm. years ago. Right. I'm gonna, I'm, there's one artist we haven't mentioned today, and I have uh, the chat's been moving too fast for me to t- take out. Tupac comes out with Strictly for My Niggas in 90 and 90. And talk about a, a three album run. His first album, Strictly for My Niggas and Not All Eyes on Me. Oh, what was the next record called? Those oh, records. This is killing me. Could not keep him on the shelf. So many tears much. on it. When he was in prison, basically the next record comes out when he's yeah. in prison. He's the first out artist to go platinum in prison. Like we said, Lethal Injection. Cypress Hill releases Black Sunday. Yeah, yeah. No, Cypress Hill. Hard to like they were that was like a I don't know if you, there's actually a documentary 
on them. On Cyber Sunday? Like, uh, like Showtime or HBO or something. It's pretty good. Yeah. Like, and I was like, I'm like, I'm kind of a cash. Like, like I, I, I think they've got, they got some moments. I'm like, I was like, I bet this is going to be good as hell. And it was good as hell. So I recommend that Cypher Cell documentary. And here's a, here's a, here's a group that. Uh, oh, Tony, guys... did you mention Tony Braxton, by the way? Yeah, Tony Braxton. Yeah, we mentioned okay. Tony Braxton. The Coup's first record comes out in 1993. Kill My Ooh, Landlord. Ooh, hell yeah. Yeah. Steal this album is still my favorite of theirs, but like, yeah, Boots Riley, man. Andre Nicotina, the new Jim Jones comes out. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, we said Lethal Injection. Yeah. Uh, too short. Get in where you fit in. Too short. Oof. Yeah. Okay. Why? Why is it so hard to find just hip hop? This is so weird. Yeah. I'm like. Okay, let's look up real quick. Melissa. You know what they also have a category? Talk about music for middle managers. Melissa Etheridge. <laughs> that came out in '93. Yeah. 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 So they have a yes, whole category for noise rock, Conan. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Get some. So listen to what they have in no- noise rock. All right. Butthole Surfers. Yes. That was uh, Independent Worm Saloon? Yep. That's, that record's like one long guitar solo. I love it. It's absurd. Hairy Pussy. We celebrate their entire catalog, yes. <laughs> cop Shot Cop. Oh, Cop Shoot Cop. Yeah, yeah. I was never a huge Cop Shoot Cop fan, but respect to them. Yeah. Um, Unsane. Oh, which is that the one with the dead guy? On? Well, I'd have to narrow. Total sorry. destruction. Yeah, oh, I didn't know. I didn't, okay. I didn't realize they were been around that long. They were. Um, they, they've been around for a minute, man. They, they were. They were. Credit or credit to you, they were pretty early. Crow, you know Crow? I don't know Crow. I don't know. I don't know Crow. I've never heard of a band called Dolomite. Is a band called Dolomite? Yeah, what? never heard of them. Well, yeah, Tar, like I mentioned, I just saw a freaking Mike and John from Tar on Deep Tone Project last night. That was uh, one of their uh, toasts, one of their best records. That, that was so Earth amazing. 2 comes out in 93. Oh, okay. Death, Individual Thought Patterns, The Melvins, Houdini, Houdini Typo yeah. Negative Blood Kisses. Sepultura, to me, has the proto new metal record. Is that Roots? Let's, let's take a second for his. Sepultura, great death metal band. Sure. Turns into... The proto new metal band with this record, Chaos AD. That's Chaos AD. Okay. All right. Love Chaos AD. Carcass does heartwork. Love heartwork. Burzum is a black metal fans. I don't really give a shit. For the murder fans in the audience. Yeah. Morbid Angel has Covenant, Quicksand, Slip. Jesus Lizard. What were they up to around that? They might have liked those. I'm uh, looking to see if I can find them. Neurosis. We saw our Yeah. Liar 92 down 94. Gore Guts. Oh, no shit. Gore Guts. Gorguts has erosion of carrying Gorguts. What a year. Paradise Lost has Icon, <laughs> Cathedral, yeah, Voivod, yeah. Outer Limits. Hell yeah. Dio, Strength Dio releases a record every year. I, is it, I think this is Crowbar's first record, the self-titled record, Crowbar. Uh, I saw I saw those fools at Berkeley Square, man. No shit. How was yeah, it? It was pretty good, actually. <laughs> that, was, that was awesome. I was like, man, these dudes are big, some big ass dudes. One of my favorite bands at the gates has with fear. I kissed the burning darkness in 93. That's literally the only reason why I use that thumbnail. They you know what? Gates on it. Caius did not release in 93, but they did blues for the red sun in 92 and then sky Valley in 94. Another band that you may know life of agony does river runs red. They're a hardcore band from New York. Everybody loved that record. That was the record that put them on the map. Clutch. Clutch. Transnational Speedway. No there's like shit. There's a, there's a, COC probably had to do something around that, right? No. Really? No. Fishbone. Give a monkey a, a brain. Fishbone. Ooh. Oh, pigeon is the most popular bird. Six-finger satellite. So first six-finger satellite 
full length is is uh, ninety three. Uh, I should know that. Had those fools not thinking towers union, monching the bishops, nuclear assault. Thank you. There's, dude, there's so many. Fuck. This must be today a is the day. Night. Today is the day. Today is the day. Super snap case. Snap case. Girls against boys. They, they, people forget. That. Yeah, girls against boys. People yeah. forget, man. Everybody of, of all the quote unquote noise rock bands that were up in the discussion. Mm-hmm. Everyone was like, "Well, they got the look," because you know, going with this boy, it's a bunch of handsome dudes. Magnet Magazine like love that, love their asses, man. Like it is, and you know what, Girls Against Boys, good, really good. Like they, they, that, all those records hold up. But they were some handsome devils, and like they were on every magazine in the '90s, and they tried to make Girls Against Boys happen at a much larger level, and they got on John Stewart's show, but that's about as good as it got. That was a big Thank deal you. back in the day. John Stewart show when it was on MTV still. Yeah, I'm not even talking about Daily Show. I'm talking about, yeah, his talk the John show. Stewart show, yeah. That was like, if you got on that, that was like the Johnny Carson of Gen X. Oh, yeah. Sunny <laughs> Day Real Estate and bands like that were on there. Hell yeah. yeah. Oh, I just talked to Goldsmith uh, last night, actually. So. Oh, no shit. That, you know what, Conan? That's another band I didn't discover till recently. Sunny Day Real Estate is good. And they're better than, like, they're better than their fandom. Oh, fuck that. <laughs> I don't, I, I, their fandom kind of turned me off from it because I didn't like the name. I thought the name kind of corny, so I didn't want to listen. And it came up on a, you know, you're just playing music and the song comes up. I was like, oh, what is this? And so I started kind of exploring the catalog as you can do now. Yeah. Uh, Bad Brains has Rise. Diary is unfortunately 94. So not, Sunny Days not qualify for our show, but yeah. Well, we, we might do 94. It's, I'm, I'm, it's, it's going to be the same problem of just too many, Stuff. Yeah, Six Finger Satellite's manager was James Murphy. Uh, if you want to hear more about that, I had Rick and Jay of Six Finger Satellite on Protonic Commercial. We talk about James Murphy, who was like their sound dude, who formed mm-hmm. a little band called LCD Sound System that did okay. <laughs> Speed King, man. Like that, I, uh, that's how I knew that, man. Anyway, sorry. Please continue. Okay, I found hip hop now. Like, you did, know you ever, did, you, did you ever fuck with the paintings? No. Pretty good. I mean, like. I'm not it's hating. Good. I just, I just don't know. Yeah, paintings. No one. Di- I have a cassette of painting songs. So, <laughs> I, I think we're going to get in trouble if we don't mention this record because also I played this cassette out in high school. Diggable Planets, uh, reaching sh- their first record. Was that '93? Okay. '93. Okay. KRS One, Return of the Boom Bap, uh, Mob Deep, Juvenile Hell, Master Ace, Slaughterhouse. I loved that record. Queen Latifah, Black Rain. Shaquille O'Neal releases Shock Scissor. <laughs> and that may be the album of the year, ladies there and gentlemen. Go. That and Meatloaf. <laughs> the Ghetto Boys. L-O- Ooh, LL Cool J, 14 shots to the dome. Run DMC does Down with the King. Mac Mall has a legal business. What else do we have here? PM Dawn's first record. Can we talk about how... People have just like PM Don has been redacted from history, but that shit, that was everywhere. That PM Don was like set adrift on memory bliss was everywhere, and they did the boomerang soundtrack to the point that it, what is it? Uh, Fear of a black hat, right? That one character <laughs> yeah, is, like, is, like, is my shit not brown. <laughs> love that movie. That movie is I'm only human. awesome. <laughs> I'm it's, just it's, a human being. It's a, it's 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 like rap spinal tap, and I mean that as a compliment. That is the best movie. It's uh, I haven't seen it in years, but I can only imagine it's still hold up. You, you we mentioned that Onyx record, man. Like that was another that was another one. Motherfucker, the Onyx yeah. is yeah. Okay, so let's go down. So when was Judgment Night? That was ninety four, right? Where they uh, did the I think, so. I think so. 
There's a lot of oh, you know, you know, it comes out in '93. <laughs> Look at the bag team back again. Well, there it is. If you guys want to see something funny in the video, your favorite rapper Rick Ross is in that video. Judgment Night is a soundtrack to the 1993 film of the same name. By the way, no one remembers that damn movie, but that soundtrack. The soundtrack was a monster. It was the the rap and the rap and and rock. Biohazard and Onyx, Helmeted House of Pain. Speaking of Mudhoney, Mudhoney and Sure Mix-A-Lot. See, I don't own the house on that one. And there was another one, Del the Funky Homo Sapien and, and Dinosaur Jr.? Yes. No, that was a, that was that was actually kind of groundbreaking at the time. Yeah. And again, nobody remembers that damn movie, but people remember this. George Patnoy. <laughs> people remember the soundtrack. I do. Scarface comes out with "The World Is Yours" in in '93. Hip hop. I don't know. I th- I think. Oh, the Roots. The Roots first record that no one. Well, that's a record that no one really remembers because they they weren't like the Roots that you know them now. I remember I, 94. I think the next uh, things follow. Well, they were around for a long time. Yeah, they've that. been around since like 90. But they, they came to my attention again at the record store. But I don't remember. I don't remember. 93, I, I like, guarantee it wasn't this record. I bet yeah, it was the record after it. Because let's see. Let's see what the singles were on it. Let's let's see where the where the song track listing is. Man, they started 87. Damn. Yeah, they've been around for oh. a minute. No wonder they're good. Um. <laughs> Yeah, th- this is the album that there's. there's uh, do you no want song. more? Ninety four. Yep. There you go. Yeah. Do you yep. want more? That's the one. That's the one that happened. Like, that's the one that blew them up, and then yeah. things fall apart after that. Was took them over to. They're they're still not like super huge. The Jimmy Fallon thing helps. But yeah, I mean they're like they're musicos dig them. You know, it's not like they're like the roots. The Jimmy Fallon guys. Jimmy Fallon. Guru does Jazzmatazz in 1993. Black Moon's first record, Into the Stage. I like I like Black Moon, but I didn't like that record. I'll be honest. Let's look up Conan's favorite right now, Alternative Rock. Meatloaf. <laughs> <laughs> so we sent so Mazzy Star. Okay. Comes out in '93. How can one. we forget Mazzy Star? No, no red-blooded American male would. Thank you. Jesus, I do that song. <laughs> that song and that. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Cocktoo Twins. Four Calendar Cafe yeah. is '93. Pussy Whip by Bikini Kill was that '93? Bikini Not, Kill, yeah. Depeche Mode, Songs of Faith and Devotion. Oh, no, the Dwarves. Sugar Fix by the Dwarves came out. Ah. Uh, here's another monster record that came out. People that I came across living at Soundwave, The Counting Crows. Mr. Jones. <laughs> what are you talking about? Is- that was everywhere. <laughs> no, that was. That was everywhere. Ain't my deal, but like that band was everywhere. Um, Painkillers, Babes, and Toilets. Did you like Manic Street Preachers? Not really my deal, but yeah, respect and bother me. You know, it's all Did good. you like Catherine Wheel? Catherine Wheel. I dated a chick who really liked Catherine Wheel, so I do. <laughs> it's all right. All right. Hum. Were you ever a Hum guy? So Hum, hum comes out with Electra 2093. Oh, okay. So that's the one before you prefer Nashville, which has that mm-hmm. 
monster, monster hit stars, which, and then the, the record after that's actually my favorite one, which does, has like zero hits on it, but it's, it's freaking awesome. I mean, it uh, was pretty consistent though. Sarah McLaughlin, Fumbling Towards Ecstasy is 1993. All right. There you go. Bad, bad Religion, Recipe for Hate, 93. Oh, really? Yeah. Candlebox. See, remember when I said like, we can just put our own bands together. That was Madonna's label. They, they, they didn't freaking care. You know who else was on Madonna's label the next year? That makes me so mad. Oh yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah. Um, crash Test Dummies. <laughs> what, what was their What was their big? Uh, uh, crash Test Dummies. Collective Soul. I got man, you would. If you went back in time, I was so mad at that band on a daily basis for existing. I was like, why do I have to hear this crap? I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear this business. Crash test dummies. And they're probably nice fellas. You know what I mean? But I could not stand hearing that. I was like, you, buddy. The Goo Goo Dolls release Superstar Car Wash. Goo Goo Dolls, who started off. Metal Blade. First of all, one of the yeah, one of the dumbest band names ever. But like started off kind of like replacements style like rockers. Mm-hmm. Like kind of like pretty like D- dinosaur junior style, you know? And then like this ballad crap. <laughs> People love these ballads. They love them. I want to also add, as we can't show the stuff on the on the on the screen, some of the worst album art is in the oh. 80s trash record covers oh. oh my god so many of them I, like why just, was that I why did know. people say, was it because of the cd yeah pro- probably i don't know but, but there is kind of like oh ooh, you know this supports your your thesis statement on on the pop punk thing mm-hmm. pennywise unknown rogue mm. pennywise you got those shoes you live in those suburbs boy do i have a band for you <laughs> <laughs> You young fellows like to skateboard and drink uh, energy drinks. By all accounts, sweethearts as dudes, by the way. But I could not care less. Could not possibly. You got those shoes. Hey, who has an eyebrow piercing? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh my God. Want to get some flames tattooed on your uh, on your forearm, there, fella? We definitely did mention Houdini. I'd be remiss not to since I played. You did say Houdini. We yeah. said Melvin's Houdini. Yeah. yeah. I play with Dale. But it's, it's, you it's, would it's, get in trouble. I, I <laughs> Look, I made sure that I didn't get you in trouble. He I'm would not, not give a damn. He would not still, care at all. But still, I'm going to give props. Also, like, I think Stoner Witch. Stoner Witch is the one that really got me into him. But people, I mean, that, that wasn't, Houdini was an important record amongst a certain type of nerd. What was up with Aphex Twin around this time? Aphex Twin did release a record in 93. I got to find Is that Ambient it. Works? Is yes, I believe that was the one. Okay. I could be wrong. Were you ever into the God Machine? This this Aphex Twin Wikipedia, way too long. There's too much information here. I've been scrolling for like what feels like hours, and I still can't. Uh, Conan, the Juliana yeah. Hatfield theory comes out in '92. Remember they were trying to make that broad happen? They, they were like Matthew Sweet comes out in Altered Beast. That remember that video he did with the one with anime? Yes, and which is that the one that has? I've had someone on the show who played in Matthew Sweet's band. Oh no shit. Yeah, who was it? And it was it was Brokaw, I think Chris Brokaw from like Cody, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Really? And, uh, and uh, come, he yeah, I think he played with Matt. 
I said, ah, he's, yeah, because he played with the Lemonheads. He's he had like a weird career, man. Like he, Blindside does Hopes Rise in '93. I better fact check that. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get what up, dude? There's some interesting records me. that come out in '93. Alter Beast. Which one's all? Oh, Richard Lloyd's on that record too from Television. Yeah, man. Mick Fleetwood's on that. <laughs> Matthew Sweet. Who knew? Matthew, Matthew Sweet's Sweet a beast. Like Richard Mitch. Lloyd. Richard Lloyd. Lee Guitar. Were you into the God Machine? What's a God Machine? Was that? Was that? Uh, it's a man? Were, yeah, I think. Were they from San Francisco? Oh, Ivan Julian. It was it was Ivan Julian. I was thinking of not actors, but Ivan Julian from Richard Hell and Heartbreakers. Uh, Rochelle the Voyage. Mm. Sorry, and that, you know that cool player that that guy played with the Isley Brothers and Foundations. You know, uh, why do you build me up, Buttercup? And like, I was, I was like, and he was like 15 though, and he's like just like his prodigy guitar player. Like, it's crazy. Anyway, All right, Conan. I said I was going to do it, so I have to do it now. We are an hour and 19 minutes in. Do I have you for a little bit longer? You have to go. Yeah, no, I'm good. I'm, I'm good. I'm good for a while. Yeah, I, okay. I mean, at this point, we are literally just naming records. So here, the numbers on the screen: area All code right. 510-319-1899. I'm also just shocked on how many albums come out in the year of Bill Clinton. Yeah. <laughs> we we mentioned most of these records. I'm looking at now. By the way, come correct and keep it succinct. Those those are the two things you need to do. Yes, because Ramblin if you up. don't if you don't know, I get charged by the second <laughs> on this app, and I'm being totally serious. I believe I, no, I believe you. Like you can't by the up. second. So don't don't do this. None of this. Like hey, how are you? Oh yeah, I'm good. Yeah, no, none of that. Just get just. Yeah, we're gonna need drop, you to get in it. and get out. Just yes, I was gonna make a joke. Yeah, we mentioned the bad religion record. Let's see what else. 36 Chambers, we mentioned that. So, Conan, be entertaining while I go turn the phone on. Sure, sure, sure. Suviaki, yeah, did, we did not mention that, but that's 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 one for sure. Holy Mountain, we mentioned. Sleep, just in passing anyway. But, yeah, Sleep's, that's that's not a band that I thought would get popular. <laughs> I say that. It's like, we definitely mentioned Rated Me. I, I talked about Rated Me for a while, actually. Uh, Farside, yeah, Aphex Twin 92. Man, Aphex Twin is so good, but Aphex Twin as we think of Apex Twin is like late nineties in the same way that people kind of retroactively put Portishead in 93. And no, it was, it was late nineties. And that's when the whole, well, they called it a trip hop and we had a whole discussion on that, but yeah, I can't believe that Candlebox, man. Candlebox is trash. I'm sorry. Peace and love to the Candlebox fans. That was a trash band for trash people. Sorry. Who, who else was going a oh, collective soul? Ooh. Yeah, I, I said that you didn't hear me. Collective soul, yeah. I think I think one of the brothers of Collective Soul is Ooh, in Ooh, have a sound out. Are they are they from Atlanta? Collective Soul? I thought they were Canadian. Are they? I don't know. Because I thought one of the people from Seven Dust is Georgia. Canadian. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. One of the guys Georgia. in Seven okay. Dust is their brothers in Collective Soul. So the phone line is open. Area code 510-319-1899. Call in and let us know what albums we forgot, what records are crap from that year, what yeah. records are your favorite from that year. Keep it to sync, though. What you were doing that year that makes these records stick. Like, I was working at a blah, 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 and I fucking loved Heart Shape Box. Rancid, the self-titled Rancid record was that year. That was not a hit record though that was a hit record like in the bay area because it was like oh those bros from op ivy got a new yep. band yeah 
and like it's a good record. I actually like I actually like that. But Outcome the Wolves was like where stuff got real for Rancid. Thank you, Rancid. <laughs> Did someone say something about Rancid? <laughs> Somebody says about Rancid in the in the chat. Like I'm actually going them? through the chat. No, no, they were just they were just like mentioning other records from '93. They were just, and, and, and okay, Seven Mary Three. Ooh. Collective Soul was a secret Christian rock band. Oh, Sounds about right. That. Yeah, that, that checks out. Garbage music. Wow. Sorry. Wow. <laughs> Not sorry. <laughs> wow. Just Super anyone chunk. that mentions the Lord is horrible to you? So Stevie Wonder's no. Jesus Children is a horrible song? No, I say Collective Soul. Collective Soul is oh, a garbage okay. band. Okay. I don't, okay. They're not garbage because they're Christians. They're Christians and they're, they also happen to be garbage. Okay. Like, well, just wanted to make sure. I, I guess I guess, I guess I guess Collective Soul's not coming on the show anytime soon, huh? <laughs> Jeremy Enoch from Sunny Day, like I know he's not like evangelical or anything along those lines, but I think he's he's he's, a, he's his personal faith is somewhat Christian oriented. It doesn't bother me at all. It's fine. Just don't be a dick about it. That's all I gotta say. Someone keeps saying "Passing Me By" by the Far Side is '93. I believe that album came out in '92. So that would mean Passing Me By came out in 92. I can double check, but I believe Far Side is 92. Hope Sandoval was hot. That's the only thing I remember. That's what <laughs> it's a good looking woman. I mean, hey, I had my, I, to me, I had my own version for seven years. Oh, word. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Man, lots of comments on this. Bizarre ride. You, you mentioned Karis one. You mentioned that. Far yeah. Side. People addicted to typing. They ain't calling in though. Yeah. Oh, what was ministry? Ministry. No, hold on, hold on, one second, Conan. Hold on, one second, because this person has written this comment like three times. Bizarre ride of the far side came out in November twenty fourth of nineteen ninety two. Passing me by came out in nineteen ninety two. If you're talking about the remix that came out on the single, oh, that's different. Let the record show. Dot, but dot, pa- again, passing me by by the far side came out in the 1992. Yeah. Okay. Well, let the record show. I just wanted to make sure. I was like, wait a minute, that had to be 90 because it's not on any of these lists. And that was a, that for me. That was like a monster record. I loved the far side. You know? Yeah, yeah, it's good. Psalm 69 was uh, 92. Yeah. See, the guy goes released in March of 93. What are you talking about? Are you talking about the single? We're not talking about fucking singles, man. Show, the album show your is, work, goddammit. Yeah, the <laughs> album came out in 1992, and Passing Me By is on the goddamn album. We're running a professional show here. We expect professional responses. It came out late in 92. What are you talking about? If you live in fucking Canada, and you're looking up the Canadian <laughs> release date, if you're looking like, up the Japanese release Canadian, date, re- Canadian release date is up there with Canadian girlfriend. Sean Moon, you gotta quit fucking with me, Sean Moon. I will find out where you live and I will give you a stern talking to. Oh, you know, I just had John Wright from No Means No on again. Uh, oh, and why do they call me Mr. Happy? Is that that came out in '93? That's a the river. That's it for, for the No Means No fans in the audience. Thank you, all three of you. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but they made I I had him on again. The the drummer is one of the Wright brothers and. The, their biographer, too, because they did this really good No Means No book. And if you're remotely a fan of that band, you should check that out. And, and I, I've gotten a surprising amount of feedback about that show. People are like, first of all, No Means No was my favorite band. I'm like, cool, did you hear the other time he was on? But <laughs> then there'd be like, I'm buying that book immediately. I'm like, great, I don't see his dime from it, but that sounds awesome. 
<laughs> Thank you. Yeah, Graham, it's you a good did luck. your job. You did your job as a good host, and you know I love hearing people say, "I came on your show and I sold some books." I'm always like, "I said, um, got that protonic boom, baby." Right. We for <laughs> for a while we were joking about the the TIR bump because there was a dude, a good friend of ours, Dan Mello, that wrote a book, and he came on the show, and after he left the show. His book was the number one in Amazon, but it was I mean, specific to the category. So it was like nonfiction books about immigration. Wow. <laughs> but I was like, fuck yeah, we, we helped him sell some copies of the book. You know what I mean? No, that's that's great. What, what year? I almost hate, I hate to say it. I think The Spin Doctors was before 93. Yes. Then we don't have to. Wait, which which spin boxers? Give me, give me which one they little. <laughs> one, two, friends stand before you. <laughs> wait, wait, do a little. I'm get, you know what I'm getting them mixed up with? You know what's stuck in my head right Let's now? Let's go ahead now. <laughs> what's stuck in my head is is third eye blind. I'm hearing, doo, doo, doo. Yeah, but no, yeah. but the spin doctors had something kind of similar in a. It, fucking, it's similar stuff white people like genre. You know, it's like fuck. Well, but what was the big single? What was it called? Little Miss Can't Be Wrong. Little Miss, Little Miss, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, man. I was in a world of very underground hip hop music at that time. You hear that? It's like, oh my god, that just, that just, that just sounds like a trust fund. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's like, kidding me with this? Okay, guys, look, I can't. Even when it was as soon as I turn the phone lines on, I get charged per second. You guys got to not be sissies right now and fucking just call up dude yeah it's, everyone's freaking again people like typing don't type it look this is i got the phone line because people are like ah, i wish i could call in and call you a bitch yeah, to yeah. your face it's like well you would be to my God face damn. Call in. <laughs> yeah yeah it's good thing well you're probably still not gonna do that yeah you're not gonna do it but anyway <laughs> i you know i just need to shut the fuck up before i do one of these live appearances and someone's the one that called bitch 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 yeah okay uh, mr Martin, man. okay sure <laughs> Polvo, which which Polvo record is that? That was um, it's probably Spin Doctors album. Record. Jeremy, why don't you call in, Jeremy, and and yeah, break the call in? Tell us Jeremy. about these Spin Doctors. Yeah, call in. Yeah, you're such a Spin Doctors fan over there, yeah. fucking in Portland, Oregon. Oh, today's Active Lifestyles. Yeah, man, that was '93. That's a great record. Actually, that was produced by Bob Weston. I saw him last night. There's no Bob, reason Bob why the chat right now is filled with people that want to write about the Spin Doctors <laughs> trivia. <laughs> did you know that the basis for the Spin Doctors? <laughs> no, I did not know that. I didn't care about that. While recording, Little Miss can't be wrong. <laughs> Everyone's pop-up video. That's another esoteric reference, but uh, but only with the Spin Doctors. Well, yeah. the blues with his blues travel. I didn't see blues travel on the list. Oh, I'm going to get our top what, what, what year did Kingpin come out? Because whatever year Kingpin came out, I went and bought that Blues Traveler. No, 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 no. I, I saw the Blues Traveler behind the music and then bought the record. Remember when that man got skinny? Yes. Dude, did you ever see them play with Metallica? They put out, Blues Traveler did put out a record in 93, but it's not, it's like, what the hell is this? This is not any of the records that I know. I think the one that everyone, Man, there's way too much information about Blues Traveler. I don't care. Just tell me when it was. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm forget that people still talk about Spin Doctor. <laughs> still on that Spin Doctor train, huh? Oh, my God. Okay, Cody, we got five calls all of a sudden. Oh, oh Jesus. <laughs> I hope they're not all Spin Doctors. They don't. Oh, my God. I'm Blues so Traveler. Jesus I'm so scared. Okay. Volvo and Blues Traveler in the same sentence, yeah. 
All right, I'm going to go. This is the longest wait on online. Okay. Calling from a 406 area code. Caller, what is your name and where are you calling from? My name Josh. I am calling from your favorite place in the country, Jason, uh, rural Montana. Are you in Butte? Heard you. No. Butte isn't rural for Montana? Are you kidding? I'm in Hot Springs. 500 people. Okay. I've, I've, been, I've been to Montana. Drop. There's probably, there's, Montana. I, think there's, I think there's posters behind me from fucking playing in Montana. Conan played. I've heard you talk about. Yes. I played Missoula a lot. I, you I, played I, Missoula. I, I, I wasn't cool Bozeman, enough. Bozeman, Replicator. Oh, dude. Yeah. I actually have a good, good friend in Billings that actually gave me his Laney head. And I have nothing but the, the utmost respect for Montana. Hot Springs, that's like Flathead, Flathead Res area, right? That's like up, up, up way a little bit. Well, everybody is terrified of you. It's a bunch of, uh, you know, Irish immigrants with bad attitudes. And, you know, you're allowed to drink on the street. So, yeah, it's terrible on you. Everybody knows that. But I'm calling to talk about Undertow. Ooh. Yeah. Of and I first heard it that summer. I just finished my freshman year of high school and living in a, in a cabin at a Methodist Park church camp mm. outside Livingston for the summer, working there. And my roommate introduced me to Tool and weed and alcohol. And All these things uh, are actually linked. Yeah. Those are the box of condoms that he was going through rather rapidly with his girlfriend at the time. Oh, okay. <laughs> so anyway, Undertow, great album. <laughs> Did you? So you heard the you heard the music first. You didn't see the videos first. You heard the music first. I well, I heard the album first. Okay. In the cabin, he had Opiate, and then he had Undertow had just come out, and uh, I had never heard of him. He was completely different than anything. I was not the heavy music at all. I was the guy with right. the collective soul album. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but I, I've 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 recovered since then. My my musical proved that definitely like opened my eyes. Like holy shit! And uh, and this guy's getting laid like every fucking. Night. <laughs> 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 I should be listening to Tool. It's that man. So that's all I have to do. Don't do that now. No, <laughs> no, no, it is. not working in twenty twenty four. Well, Tool. The reason why I mentioned the videos is because they had they had <laughs> they had videos that were pretty kind of different and cool and weird looking, yes. kind of Mad God style, you know. Yes. Oh you yeah. Know, that's going to be a prison sex video with the yeah the yeah. big one on that with the claymation, very fucked up. Good song. I mean, fucked up lyrics. Yeah. For me, it was like it sounded like Melvin. Anyway, I should uh, but, let you get to your other four callers. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna insult the viewers and call us all a bunch of pansies, coming to you. So we got the spin doctor. Josh, thank Bob you so much for calling, and fuck yeah, shout out to Montana. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm, I'm trying to make some road trips this year to visit friends, of the, visit the rest of the TIR crew. So. All right. Well, if you ever get down to Missoula, I'll, I'll come see you. Oh, f- you said nothing but a word. All right. Thank you very much, Josh. I was in Missoula in October, actually. Thank you. <laughs> good call. Out of way to start it off. How do way to start it off? Out of way. Out of way. Out of way. Okay, we have. All right, here. Okay, this will. This might be interesting. I've never seen this phone number. All right. Calling from a two five one area code caller. What is your name and where are you calling from? 
Joel. I'm calling from uh, Alabama. Oh, fuck oh, yeah. yeah. Roll Ooh. Tide. <laughs> Roll Tide, mother. War Eagle. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> anyway, what's up? I don't really, I'm not really going to have any exciting, like, fun stories like the last guy, because, like, I'm pretty sure in 93, I was just pissing and shit in my pants. That's probably, that's probably about, <laughs> I was too young, goddammit. But anyway, I'm, I'm calling it, because I'm like, I'm like, I'm like thinking, I don't know, I think 92 is better. That's, that's my case, okay? Okay? All right. <laughs> All right. well, what came out in 92 for you that made you go that's the motherfucking year rage okay so okay I'll, that's right okay i also changed dirt okay automatic for the people rim the chronic did you say chronic. i'm sorry did you just say rim sir vulgar display of power Tom to see yeah dirty but not you oh dirty yeah yeah, yeah. Dirt yeah. and Dirty both came out of that. Year. No, there's some, look, look. Angel Dust. Angel Dust is, Angel is that's a great. my favorite shit. Angel Dust. God damn it. We are, you're talking to two huge I'm Faith No More fans. <laughs> you're talking yeah, to yeah. two huge Faith No More fans, and I live yeah, in no. where they where they, where they they recorded and rehearsed for years. So I got to know them. Oh, yeah. they, they've been very helpful to my musical career as well. But yeah, we're this show we're going to be examining several different years. Yeah, it's not just the one year. Yeah, we're just <laughs> asking the question: Is this? Because I was shocked. Check it out. I was shocked to hear how many records came out in '93, especially yeah. on the hip hop end. Because Midnight Marauders is, is a monster record. Enter the Wu Tang is becomes a monster record. Souls of Mischief '93 till Infinity is a, is a monster record, just from the hip hop end. And then I did forget about some of the stuff that came out in '93 on the, I guess we'd say alt rock end, like Siamese Dream, and I think we said Hole came out in '93. Yeah, well, I, I was trying to think. In Utero, yeah, know. PJ Harvey. Uh, yeah, PJ Harvey. In Utero is a monster record that That's I think like the if, biggest Kurt, record. if Kurt lives, it it's probably looked at. As a better record, if he lives. By the way, Afghan wigs, gentlemen, came out. Afghan, I, we forgot to mention Afghan. Which is so look, look, look. Yeah. We will we will we examine the year of our Lord 1992? Maybe, maybe we will. I don't know. But the big question for you, Mister Crimson Tide, is is the dynasty finally over? <laughs> That's the question. With Saban gone, is the dynasty over? This is where you lose me. I'm like, like I still want to talk about the cows. Sexy Feast story came out in '93, by the way. Oh, is the caller still there? Caller? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Is the dynasty? The dynasty. Well, He's talking about sports now. The 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 what? football dynasty of the Crimson Tide. You said you said uh, roll tight. So is the dynasty? Oh uh, yeah, no. Uh, I don't even pay attention to that shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, my man. That's it. I'm the same way. Yeah, I don't care about that. I'm here to talk about records. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, you know, thank. Fair enough, brother. Thank you for your call, and I hope you keep watching these greatest year of music shows yeah. and continue to call and tell us to fuck off. The yeah, yell at us. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong year, son. Yeah, we do. We do. 1969. He's like, 68 was better. goddammit. it. <laughs> the White Album alone will win, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thank you very much for your call. Have a good one, brother. Yeah, sexy peace story. Uh, shit beer, peace. Blown. There's that, that's a that's a good cows record, man. They're, they're that's that's like one of the best ones. That was like, I miss, dude. I fucking miss 
touring in the South for a plethora of reasons, four of them being food. <laughs> um, yeah, that's real. Five yeah. of them being people. Yeah. Like I was, I was talking to some friends. We actually, you know what I did finally Conan? I called what? up someone on the show in the champagne room. I called up Alex, the drummer of bitter Lake. And oh, uh, sure. Yeah. Just like randomly. And, and, and cause I always feel like when I talk about the last tour we were on, people don't believe me. So I called up Alex and he just went off for like 20 minutes. Yeah. You gotta get a uh, real time one up on the fact checking. Yeah. Yeah. So there's always like a dream of doing, having the phone system and having yeah. the board is to be able to call people like you randomly. If I want to like, let's <laughs> call him right now. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. That that's that's the whole that. the whole dream of doing this. So expect more random phone calls from me. I will at least give you a heads up that you're on air. I I mean William Goldsmith was trying to text me about Star Trek and like I just called his ass right there. Cause like John Yingling was like, You know William Goldsmith? I'm like, Yeah, man, you want to talk to him? Like from online, it was like, Oh, oh what 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 what? It's actually a really nice conversation, but it's just really funny because Yingling was so kind of those random me. random phone calls are great because everybody texts. So we have we have a couple yeah. more calls. All right, let's get this through. I think What's I know next? who this is. All right. Calling from an 843 area code caller. What is your name? Where are you calling from? It's your boy, Dizzle McDizzle. Sending hate from Milwaukee. <laughs> what? You're in Milwaukee in today to ask. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I live in Milwaukee, man. All right, Coney, watch your back. Watch your back. The Dizzle McDizzle's in Milwaukee. Watch your back. Talk that trash. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting in a cold ass basement. Give me I mean, think about earlier here. question yes. is uh, stream. Okay, this Coney. The hoes that I meant were more the metaphysical hoes <laughs> and not physical hoes. So metaphysically, right. are these hoes loyal? Because it is. Does it mean to be to live the life of a good hoe in the platonic sense of being mm. not loyal by nature? But right. if you being good in the utilitarian sense, is it being loyal? Can you be a hoe? Right, because because again, it's endemic to the question of being a hoe, where and who the loyalty is to, right? Of course, because of course you're going to be you know, loyal to your people, but by nature of the role, there's a certain degree of uh, disconnection and, dis- and disaffection that has to be uh, baked into the entire prospect, really. Thank Fair you. Fair enough. <laughs> but I'm I'm not. Thinking about, you know, the platonic idea of being a good hoe, right, being the prescriptive of the hoe itself. Sure. I really want to look at as it, is it in the act utilitarian sense or the just ruined utilitarian sense? Is a hoe just a hoe and not loyal? Or can they be loyal? Sure. So is loyalty, like, when does the death of hoeness occur? Is it, is, is it loyalty that, that causes that yeah i mean again i would say to whom you, you, you know hoes can be loyal to each other uh, for sure and and there's a certain degree of loyalty that is not absolute loyalty but uh, it, it's like the idea of, of tentative authority versus absolute authority right except for you do tentative loyalty which would be 99.99 percent tentative loyalty is still not absolute loyalty so again again it depends on how you parse the system but you give me a lot to think about yeah well <laughs> 
That's what we do here. Well, Dizzle, Dizzle, Conan is in is in Milwaukee, so you might run into him at a in a neighborhood pub. We could, yeah, we can we can go work it out in person. <laughs> Fair enough, man. Fair enough. Well, how are we doing on the music on the music end, Dizzle? Are we missing any records here? I mean, I'm a ska guy, so everything that you why did I take a drink when he said like, God damn it? I'm like, eh. are you wearing pla- are you wearing plaid pants as we speak right now? What? Put the trumpet down. Listen, don't you worry about don't you worry about what I'm wearing, okay? The light the world may be shit, but I got this trumpet. Okay? <laughs> oh, is the is are the mighty mighty Boston? Mighty Boston came out in ninety three. Don't yeah. know how to party? Is that is that ninety three? Yep. yep. Uh, the Devil's Way, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. How about yeah? We said we called Fishbone. We called Fishbone. Fishbone Fishbone came out in '93. Yeah. Who else? Real big fish. Oh, real big fish came out in '93. Oh, you know what, man? Didn't that's um, when they came with Scott Van? Right. Didn't a Sublime record get out in in uh, '93? In the words of my ancestors, I will never turn my back again. (laughs) No, 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 no. Find me who I am as a person. Right, right. No, no, no. The Sublime does it. The 92, I think, is when you think of a 40 ounce of freedom. Yeah, uh, it was, it was, yeah, it was another one before that. I think 40 ounce of freedom is like, you're thinking of the one you know where what, they're the crack, the one they recorded in that crack house. Right. <laughs> recorded that fucking record <laughs> in the crack house, dude. No, no doubt. No, no doubt, doubt releases. Is fairly no, no doubt. Uh, the big 94. record's 95. Right? Oh, is it 94? Okay. With spider webs and shit. No, okay. Tragic Kingdom is 95, right? Yeah. Yeah. But they do have a record in 93 that they self-release. 93 and 94, they self-release a record. That's right. Because the label's like, these songs are too fucking long. Listen to me. That's right. Oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> 40 ounces, 92. Robin the Hood is 94. Exactly. I knew Sublime didn't have anything in 93. I'm sorry we don't do enough ska on this show. I thought we were doing pretty good hitting all the genres. But I, 311. 311. There you go. Oh, word? Really? 311? Okay, I believe 311 has a record in it. I thought they were like more late. I mean, they're not really a ska band. But like, you know, I I, I, I fell in love with ska when I heard Real Big Fish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know, Real Big that's Fish. That's the noise is... that plays in my head when I get extra cry. <laughs> I, I heard somebody was like, ska is the sound that a preteen, that plays in a preteen's head when they get extra cheese sticks. At the pizza place. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> oh, mustard plug is ninety three. I've never heard that before in my life. That's a thing people say. <laughs> I've heard it. That was funny. That's actually a good thing to have in your head when those. Yeah, man. Happen. When you're like, like you get stoked on it, you know. I, yeah. I. That's pretty fucking funny. I. Maybe that's why I get so happy and I think of Fishbone. Yeah. Yeah. Dance Hall Crashers put out record ninety three. Pure joy. It is. It really is. Anyone, and you know what? Anyone that shits on Sky, including me, is shitting on your fucking sunshine. So you can kick that person in the nuts, even if it's me. You're like, you know what, dude? You're shitting on my sunshine. But I don't know. I just like, I like all upbeat music. If it's if it's upbeat, I'm listening to it. Like I I I do jujitsu here in Milwaukee, and I fuck with those guys so bad (laughs) because I just play like when I get when I get a hold. Yeah. Like the radio, I just play ska and funkadelic, and I just play Bee Gees. I just play everything upbeat. 
and I don't break eye contact with them when playing. Skanking <laughs> all over the gym. <laughs> oh yeah, because they take that shit so seriously. It's just it's 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 Mexican ground karate. Okay, I respect that. It is. It's yeah, an that, karate class. Yeah. Let it go. You're not going to be the next horse Gracie. Yeah. You know, it's this is fun time. We're playing. We're 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 playing strangle pajamas. Let's do this. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, have, have a good time. Don't play black death metal. I don't care. Let's throw some dance hall crashers and go beat each other up. Yeah. Want to kill myself. Yeah. I think, I, and I think that might be the theme of the of the the day. You know, hey, we're just playing strangle pajamas. It's not that serious. Exactly. Anyways, I'll let you get to more calls. Again, Ben here from Milwaukee. <laughs> Thank you, Dizzle. Appreciate you. That's fucking Dizzle McFizzle. Right, trying to become a TIR legend. He's he's well that on. That man does martial arts. I'm not going to clown him. He's in your head, dude. He's in your head. <laughs> I know. That's crazy. I didn't know. Well, I've run into a few people in Milwaukee that know me from this show. Where am I? You know me from? Okay, cool. Fucking high five. Yeah. I got a free drink. I got a free drink. Out of it. Oh, like, hey, man, drinks on me. I'm like, uh-huh. hell yeah. You know what's funny? You want to hear something funny? Huh. Asatar Bear. He used to be a guest on the show all the time. Yeah. Been recognized multiple times. Jean Bajlan got recognized. Yeah. I believe Cuba got recognized. You know, I got my friend, my friend Matt Armstrong, who played in the band Murder by Death. Mm. Uh, and, mm. and also played with uh, one of the guys from, uh, what's it, Mike Frankie Aaron, the future violence, but he he coined the term when you're recognized for rock music, mm-hmm. you are recognized. <laughs> what is it if you're recognized for your podcast? I, I exactly. So what would it be? Po- podcanized? I don't know. That I don't that pogized. Pogadized. I think is something very different. Call it and tell us. Call it Dick cheek. What about the Aquabats? What? Fuck yeah! I know the Aquabats. Yeah. Yo, Gabba, Christian is a wonderful, wonderful human being. Everybody in that group, wonderful human beings. I, you know what I will say about the Sky World? I'm meeting a few of them through the yeah. Gabba tour, all really nice out. folks, right? Oh my God! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk about down to earth, yeah, dudes. You know who down was at the time? I don't know what she's like now. Gwen Stefani. Oh, for real? Oh yeah, like cool. refuses to take free shit. Oh, nice. Aquabats are a little are a little later though. They are ninety three. No. Well. Studio records. Okay. They, they were doing shit for a while. My this person, the the, the last call, the, so the last call of the day right here is TIR legend. TIR legend right now. Let's go. Calling from Cleveland, Ohio. This is Doctor Claw. Yeah, correct. TIR legend. Hello. What up, y'all? How are you? Wow. Doing all right, man. This is uh, this is a, this is one of my favorite genre of TIR shows. Y'all just talk about music, and you know, I mentioned earlier when earlier called that the first time I listened to the show was the time that you, Jason, had deconstructed the whole label of grunge mm-hmm. mm-hmm. market, but it was really just really just punk rock. But it didn't look like the old, like a look. And it was kind of seen as a counter to what some people call air metal or a friend of mine used to call rock. 
I don't know why it's called butt rock. <laughs> you know what, man? I've heard that term too, and I agree. I have no idea. No yeah. one's ever been explained why is is but why is it butt rock? Why is that the thing? Mm. Uh, so 1993. Another thing is that you know part of my internet notoriety, small circle of the internet came off of me writing a message board post mm. or about the year 1982, my favorite year. Although mm. I was yeah, the rock genre it wasn't doing well in the industry at large. Punk rock was doing great. Two massive albums. But two massive albums came out late in that year. Wealth and Stan also. A lot of other records I love. I wrote about them. Like, what was going on in right. this year that this generated this much music? And when I really looked into it and found out just how entire the industry was, they were, you know, really concerned about what they were doing. It's like, that's, that's just crazy to think that these records coming out that year, both filler late in 82 and 1999, Prince also mm. in October and November. Mm. It really took off more, more so in 1983 on the chart, but they both released it. In total form about 82. Well, 82 is interesting because you got The Cure with Pornography, you got Combat Rock, Clash, Duran Duran with Rio, Nebraska, mm. Springsteen, Scream, yeah, yep. Screaming for Vengeance, yep. Judas Priest, right? Ooh, I mean, Screaming for Vengeance is 82? That's what headed and, out the highway. And right? Number of the Beast by Maiden. That's a big year. Well, uh, maybe I'm. I just wrote 1882 down on a pad of paper because I'm trying to get certain years, like 68 and 69, are going to get their own shows. My man, Diver Down, Van Halen. Diver Down, 82. Is 82, dude? That's like, oh, maybe that's the next show, dude. We gotta have to get, do another show with 82 because that's a monster year. REM. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's only theater. Pain. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, my bad. Mission of Burma versus I literally had Peter Prescott on the show last, last week versus that's one of like the, the, the great post punk American post punk records. Amazing. And what were you saying, Claude? I'm sorry. Yeah, and it's so crazy to me that that was the year that the major labor was so concerned about the business crashing that yeah. year. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So many great records. Yeah. Um, 1993, on the other hand, uh, so 1993, on the other hand, I was I was living in the uh, I was living in South Carolina, the eight four what is now the eight four three area code. Back then it was eight oh three. Was just meeting in high school, and I was mostly listening to hip hop. Mm. So you know, of course, whatever R&B records were on the radio. So Tupac, you know, album mm-hmm. strictly off, off listening to it. Mm. Um, it was an interesting thing that happened in that year because the year prior, one of my favorite rap groups in the collective artists, they put out around the same time. They did a pre Wu Tang. It was EPMD, broke up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And sure. They had, at that time in 92, and in 92, they had, you know, debuted the following artist by that time. Like, K Solo had two records. Red Man. had a record yeah. in 92 that was huge. Mm-hmm. Red Man first record came out in 92. Yep. Uh, and then also in 92, when you mentioned the lifestyle, rap music of lifestyle mm-hmm. shit yeah. in 93, it definitely felt like that definitely happened in 93. But 92 was like really when some of that stuff was kicking off because we had the chronic in 92. That's the, that's yeah, the yeah. record. That's the record now, that shows you. Yeah. Without the chronic, there's no doggy style. Yeah. You know? Without the chronic, like, there's no hip hop lifestyle. A lot of that just 
yeah, like a lot of that stuff came off of the uh, the what I always call the NWA family tree. Now, while my mm-hmm. opinion of NWA obviously is not the extreme that Teray Reed said about it, <laughs> at least not the first record. The second record, Ikeo Kozagas, Niggas for Life Back. Yeah. Um, that album was definitely, because Ice Cube had left, that album was definitely on some CB4 shit. And I think <laughs> CB4 came out around that time. A year after. And when I listen to that record now, that was like, oh my God, they are leading so hard into all of these underclass, like, you know, degenerate stuff. It was almost like the rap version of what a lot of, you know, concerned parents thought, like, rock music was in the 80s. Like, the stuff they were saying on that record was great, you know. And it was like only a couple of records where they were kind of leading out of that, you know. But, you know, mostly they were just leaning into the yeah, we're going to say all the fuck words and do all the bad stuff on this record. I'm like, oh, fuck. Yeah. And then yeah. Sonic followed up that, followed up. So, you know, you have NWA, uh, NWA Post Cube, Doctor's Rage, yeah. Snoop. That, that really jumped off a lot of the lifestyle stuff. And you mentioned the St. Ives thing. <laughs> it makes me think of, of Chuck, Public Enemy, which is probably one of my first favorite records. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 1991, Apocalypse 91, that album has a song called One Million Bottle Bag. It's Chuck B going off about how malt liquor and stuff like that is marketed to black people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how bad the habit of drinking alcohol is. But it's a specific way it was marketed. And then years later, he got at, he, I think he sued St. Eyes for, for using like a sample from one of his songs in one of the commercials. Because St. Eyes was, you know, leaning into the whole, let's sell the malt liquor to like, to people who like rap music. Yeah. And every time you see a fan of St. Eyes, it's about stuff. It was always, you know, frequently referenced, even outside of commercials in certain rap deals. So yeah, that definitely started picked off that year. Uh, records you mentioned that I absolutely adored in that in that year, Dale the Funky Hope of Homo going by the name Dale by that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No need for a law. Yep. Great album. Yep. And that that was when it kicked off the a lot of the hieroglyphic, you know, Griffith crew like, you know, albums like Post Mischief. 93 to infinity. So it's a mission, sure. Yeah. Um, yep. I just think the first, like the second you put on no need for a long, you know, like slow down kind of jazz out. I'm like, wow, this, this is a, this different shit. Like it, it wasn't like, this, like the very first different album. first album. DJ Pooh produced the first album. So it was all the funk samples. Yeah. yeah. So it was, and it was one thing I did appreciate about Ice Cube and DJ Pooh and that group, you know, LA Posse, that I loved about that first album was that like Ice Cube's album, like the Lynch Mob album, they were very much like still in that bomb squad, like mm-hmm. sense of how they combined samples together to make these records. And, but the thing about Dell was that he just had this different personality that was just hilarious. You know, talking about like being on public transportation in the Bay Area mm-hmm. and making yeah. songs about that kind of thing. And, and then when, you know, he got a second album and then all the other, you know, the Oakland groups are coming out alongside him, it really was like a different sort of thing. But G-Funk like dominated. That's actually kind of the reason why the Beatle Injection was to me the, the beginning of the fall for Hank Because he would have songs like Bop One, which is basically Funkadelic, you know, Canadian. Yeah. Yeah, rapping on it. I was like, Ice Cube, you can do better than that, dog. Yeah. Like, right, right. And just kind of like, but he was showing signs of it on the Predator, too. So he was taking, uh, the Predator. By the way, 93, 
So you mentioned that EPMD breaks up. Eric Sermon's first record comes out mm-hmm. in 93, late 93. And that was one I'd love because it still sounded like the EPMD style. Dodd the Fets had their second album in 1993, Shade of Suicide. And that was not as good as the first one, but I think they did that in reaction because when they came out, everybody was feeling it. Chris Brock was using it. Ice Cream was using it. So many people were doing the Iggy style. They were like, okay, we're not going to do an album but that was fresh off the EPMD breakup, and they were aligned with Eric Smith, not Eric Thurman, like Redman, and others were. And, you know, it was a different kind of production style. So I don't think it, it, it sold well, and it charted the movement in the first album. What else? Uh, and then other groups, they didn't break up, but you mentioned one of the albums, the Friends of Boom Bath by KRS One. Mm-hmm. And on that album, you have several tracks produced by DJ Premier my favorite group, Gangstar. And while they didn't break up, that they didn't ever break up, they didn't break up until like years later. But what happened that year, they didn't have an album. Guru drops Gazmatas, an album my dad bought after work and brought home and said, hey, son, look at this album. And I was like, wow, you listen to this. So I put it on and he listened to it. Guru, of course, was the face of the voice of Gangstar. People were like, oh, they're breaking up. And then you see DJ Tamir doing all these tracks and tear up one time. Which I thought that was a great album. Um, it has like Black Cop and, you know, Sound of the Police, ironic songs now because he's up there in New York City singing the praises of Eric, Eric Adams. Yeah. Adams. Yep. It has been up there. Whoop, whoop, the mayor is police. Whoop. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> That's great. That is that. You know, but yeah. That's wild. Yeah. Me and Bird are going to be talking about that Thursday. My- yeah. That is one of my favorite albums by Tara. And he's on Stranger Conflict. I mean, you mentioned PM Dawn came out here. We all know what he did. I thought he did. Beat up PM Dawn, yes. Beat up the dude from PM Dawn. That's Dom. true, but like, yeah, because, but and he's no stranger to Conflict, even like in the beginning of his career. And, but I love that album because of the DJ Premier tracks. Um, he has a song called Out of Here, which is one of the only rap songs that I ever heard a rapper talking about. Well, what happens when this record is over and this yeah. whole hip hop thing that they're marketing is over. What are you going to do with it? That was a song. That was a part of that song. Not to interrupt, but that's something I really liked about about the uh, the Hulu Wu Tang show is that it showed because credit where credits do. RZA was like very cognizant of that ahead of time, which is like we're going to get the money, we're going to invest into the recording studio. You know, like like the man had a plan for all that stuff and. I feel like, especially rap and hip hop, it's almost like people will clown on you for that, right? Where, where it's like, no, if you want to build a sustainable career, you need to think about that instead of spending all your money on, you know, six St. Ides and cars and <laughs> strip club. And so, like, you, you, you know what I mean? Like, and, and I thought that was fantastic because I've never seen that in anything remotely media related to hip hop or rap. And and the fact that Wu Tang did that, you get in the dock, but like Jason, you're right. It, it's 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 awkward. It's uncomfortable. <laughs> it's a good uncomfortable. It's a good. It's a good documentary. But I found it. Oh, it's, I mean, it's cool to see all those dudes together, but like, you can tell it's like, oh man, Oof. I could cut that tension with a knife. <laughs> Go ahead, Carl. Yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah, I just wanted to throw yeah, that. It was, you know, it, it was something else I was thinking about too. And like, um, what else you guys mentioned? Well, shout out to Fisher McFizzle, Big Enough Scott. Now, there was a couple of years later in my little corner in South Carolina, 
there was a there was a dedicated group of dudes who were in the sky and they had a they had a particular look. They would do up their cars in primer paint and spray paint over it and stuff, and they'd be just driving around <laughs> the parking lot with that with music playing. And you know, I got to meet like all kinds of interesting people in retrospect, like a lot of dudes at the pump rock scene that I learned about no effect about the party. Oh, yeah. There you go. And Scott, Scott saved the world. Yeah. Papa Gandhi. That was 93. Yeah. So I ran into a lot of these people in high school during this period because, you know, people were listening to different kinds of things. I guess it was like the one corner, something underrated part of growing up in that particular area of South Carolina that was that. The, what else was I looking to? Like the the single for Jerry the Damage complete thing out that year. The album come out to 94. Another one of those albums. Now, Black Moon, I really appreciated that album because it got me to listen to something other than G-Funk, other than the usual duck. Like, <laughs> same, right. same reason. Same thing with um, Dell and Gold in the Hieroglyphics group. Mm. Uh, you know, I definitely appreciate that uh, uh, Freestyle Fellowship record. A lot of people <laughs> took from that album yeah. And their style that they don't really get credit for. Boundaries. Uh, I told you the story about that. Yeah. About how Bone took their style from Freestyle Fellowship. Bone. Uh, yeah, Easy, yeah. So Easy E wanted to sign Freestyle Fellowship first. Mm-hmm. And they didn't. They didn't want to fuck with him. I forget why. And so he took Bone to see them. That's how Bone got that. Yeah. That's all Freestyle Fellowship. Yeah. <laughs> So. Um, yeah, and I'm trying to think. I, either, I don't know if the EP came up in came out in '93 or '94, but it was around that time. And I remember watching the video on TV. It's like, oh, these guys from Cleveland. It's like, hey, what is this style that you're using? <laughs> and like, and then the Twitter albums are thinking about the '93 that you mentioned. Well, I do want to say there are two albums that I listened to in retrospect from my year from two yacht rock records. Probably will never get mentioned in these kind of discussions, but one Kenny Loggins had uh, outside from the Red, which is notable for me for two reasons. It is the live version of What a Fool Believes, song he wrote Michael McDonald. Michael McDonald actually shows up on the record. Oh, uh, yeah. And right. then there's a song from his 85 album, Box of Vanity, that was live called Love Will Follow. Great song. And Shanice, and then, you know, uh, I Love Your Smile again. Um, on that record. And then Michael McDonald in 93 had a song, an album called Blink of an Eye, which was on the Freeze Records. It's interesting to see what happened. It's a great example of what happened to the Yacht Rock artists after the Yacht Rock era kind of, you know, took us off. Like I think it, yeah, you stopped seeing that style of music around 83 or so and then 84. A lot of them, Michael McDonald included, hop on like the pop music, you know, like wave. Yeah. Similar to um, the sound that Don Henley had in, you know, think of uh, Boys of Summer. Yeah. Similar to that sound. That's what they were, the records they were making, like even Kenny Loggins. Well, Kenny, Kenny Loggins, who was credit, was still doing the R&B stuff all the way through the 80s on his record. He, while he was also doing the soundtracks like, you know, uh, Top Gun. In, mm-hmm. in the life. He, so it's interesting to see by the 90s, a lot of them were on that, uh, what they were now calling adult contemporary. But it was an interesting record for Michael because I feel he was like a leading born star, just a little bit more than he had in the past. I was like, 
I love the conversation. I know that Conan didn't want to go too far in it, but the whole discussion, Courtney Love discussion, that is a very interesting span to me, how they came together. Yeah. Uh, and even the name, like, I'm glad to see that was validated that it was named, at least in part for what I thought it was named for. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we don't, we're, we're most polite yeah, companies, so we won't say it, but yeah. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so you were correct. Three, I mean, I think when you think of this, when you think about the volume, and of course, Midnight Marauders, gotta look. Mm-hmm. Can't say enough. Like I felt like, like I thought that Tribe Called Crest was just never going to make a, a bad album ever because the first two was so great. I didn't think the, ne- the next two were bad, but like or three really. But those first three, especially when they got the Midnight Marauders, oh my god, that was crazy level up every from album to album to album. This great album, De La Soul. Balloon Weinstein. You can listen to that. Now, here's the interesting about the album. Now that you can listen to their albums on streaming, there there has been some mild modifications to that record. Like, they've remade certain segments of the song. Oh, mm-hmm. You know, yeah. they weren't using certain samples and doing yeah. stuff. But I still think, you know, definitely get a listen and definitely bootleg the original version of the album. <laughs> so you can hear the differences. It's a great album. The because after that album, '96, Six is high. That's definitely a reaction to hip hop as lifestyle. Mm-hmm. You know, the title track especially. But '93, what I take from records like years like that in music is the stark difference between the record industry in '93 versus what we have today. I feel like most artists today, basically. To get on a major label, you have to be an indie artist first. You have to already be successful. They won't even take. There's no such thing as artist development anymore. Believe me, I know. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> it's, it's very yeah, real. Yeah, and I think about that largely in the, and I think about that hip hop in the 2000s, like 50 Cent, one of the biggest artists of the sure. first half of that decade. He got on because he was making mixtapes that were very successful, and that's right, true right. for a lot of the artists. Kendrick Lamar was making a lot of mixtapes before he got a major label. And, you know, distributive deal. And that was, it was just different before. Like, and when people were talking about the outcome of the Grammys and like, why aren't these artists going to say like somebody like Taylor Swift, like Taylor Swift, for example, the one thing that does irk me about her is how she gains the chart so much with the releases. Like even artists are releasing things every year weren't doing exactly what she's doing with that. And, <clears throat> but other than that, when you see like the outcome of so many things, you Notice the lack of those that artist development that you know you would have years they would gamble on a you know on an artist and they would hit and then they would be stable for like years to come. Prince comes to mind, man. like yeah, he got that he got that uh, record label deal early, like he was a teenager when he got it. But there were several records before he really hit it. 1999 was a real breakthrough commercially. He had four albums. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people tend to pretend it was like the act like, oh, he didn't. He wasn't on those first two albums. Like, oh, shit, he wasn't. Come on, dog. Listen to the mouth. Like, you know, and I'm just thinking, like, you don't see that. You don't see artists that, you know, that come up with something modest. Like, you mentioned PJ Harvey. She had two albums before. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Like, that, and- and, and one of them is actually a banger. It's not as good as "Rid of Me," frankly, if you ask me. Like it's and the other one's good. You know, yeah. it's, it's 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 solid. But "Rid of Me" is like yeah. that's where stuff got real. I guess that's, that's really what I came here to say was that 
1993 is such a great album, great year in music because it was a lot of investment in the artist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, just the way that, you know, they took chances on things that they wouldn't necessarily do. And Absolutely. Even for the wrong reasons, they're still taking those chances, you know? Well, I'm I'm over here. Well, doc- yeah, yeah, they're doing it for the wrong reasons now. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. Well, doc- Dr. Claw, thank you very much yeah. for the for the call, brother. Yeah, man. TIR legend, Dr. Claw. And I hope you tune in for the next year of music as I'm trying to figure out which year we're going to go to because I want to jump around a lot and make it real uncomfortable. So, uh, But I know you're going to be here every episode because you, you, like me, are a huge music fan. So I appreciate you, brother. Yeah. Thanks, man. Well, have have a good one. have a good rest of your we'll weekend. Hear from you, man. you know, one one we uh didn't mention, the flaming lips, transmissions from the satellite heart came out that year. We, and we didn't. I'm sorry. You know what? Because in the champagne room, I I was kind of pre-doing this the other yeah. day and going through some of the stuff and we we're playing some of the songs from some because you know in the champagne room, I we're not gonna monetize that show. So yeah, exactly. You don't you have know, to worry about I feel take, very yeah. comfortable playing the music. It's a lot more <laughs> sure. fun. Yeah. Which is it, look, it hurts my soul. I just want you to know right now, it's hurting my soul that we can't just play certain tracks. How cool would it have been like all the stuff we're talking about and have like the track even like that, you know, freaking stuff that's irrelevant, like the Scatman John song. Yeah. <laughs> like and that would you know what would happen. Yeah. We did a show on house music and we didn't even play the songs. Yeah. We had the videos in the background because our guest is his video was all effed up. Right. So right. we had the videos, but not the song. Yeah. He took it down for three months. That was one of yeah. me to this day. One of the things I'm most proud of on this show is me and Pascal in Tucson doing that history of house music show. I caught some of that. It was good. Yeah. You know, getting into kind of the the political economy of the time, getting into the class nature of music. No, and I appreciate the context because for me, I know some of it, but the context is real cool. Like it really kind of helped help get the the full the full picture of stuff that that again, unless you like were there living it, I don't know how you'd know it because yeah, a lot of so you. So, you know, you do this crazy ass show and you get an email from someone that goes, hey, by the way, I'm a patron and I, I produced all these records. <laughs> and I, yeah, yeah. Wild. That's great, man. That's, I, I love so that. So it's it's I don't know. It's it's one of the benefits, I think, of, of doing something like this, as you know, where you reach enough people that you're kind of surprised the people you reach. That yeah. house music show was actually cited in in, in an academic book work. Um, fantastic. From our good homegirl Tammy, who did wrote a whole history of dance music. That's um, right. So you know, I I love I these kind of shows. I'm super stoked for. I hit Conan up. I've been talking to some other people, so I think it's going to be more fun when we do like, oh, we're going to do this here, and let's bring in a few guests. But every yeah. episode, I always want to open up the phone lines. Right. Because there's, I, I guarantee, and if you guys go do this, please leave it in the comments what you're going to go listen to. I know when I turn this off, I'm going to go bump some music from 1993. <laughs> We're talking about it. Yeah, like, I keep looking at this list that's in front of yeah. me, right? I'm like, I really want like, to listen wow, to Jasmine Taz for some reason. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> there was a song he did with the singer from Brand New Heavies. Called Trust Me you on Jasmine. Oh my God. Yeah, that's right. And I was like, oh, dude, I'm, <laughs> I hella want to do that. So I want to hear what you guys are going to bump 
And also, you know, it was kind of cool hearing people that weren't even born. Like uh, maybe they were born a little before, but they're like, oh, no, right. this came out that year. That came Yeah, out. like we were in high school. Right. But like but like, yeah. you know, it's a thing. It, it's it's well, it's, it's trying to tell me something here. Yeah, uh, they're walkies. <laughs> <laughs> pay that bill. Pay that bill. Yeah. Know that like people are. Like when you announced the promo for the show, I was immediately arguing. Why do you include this and not this? You know, immediately I was on your ass. I was on your ass so quick, and I was like, "What the hell?" With like, you mention all these goddamn bands, and you don't mention in utero? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me right now? The first word, no. That wasn't the first word I wrote. Okay, well, the second draft. The second draft. (laughs) After after somebody freaked out about you're gonna lead with smashing pumpkins i can't stand smashing pumpkins sorry peace and love to the crowd but which I don't, honestly I don't billy Cork we and it's just in your neighborhood for no reason i could take his ass <laughs> he's tall whatever i'm crazy he's, tall. he's a tall dude I, what, what, what's the james brown i don't know karate but i know crazy that's me man I'm, I'm just, you know, that's me i'm fucking nuts dude <laughs> yeah, billy over the head with a fucking bottle <laughs> Uh, we actually did Can I say something about Jodeci real quick. The, the, the Diary of a Mad Band and Jodeci. I really right. feel comfortable saying this, and I can't wait to get. I want to hear what you people got to say. It's Black History Month, so I get a pass to say this. <laughs> I can't wait. Negroes, to hear what next. unless you was like a hardcore felon, cats was not getting tattoos casually until Jodeci came out with Diary of a Mad Band. Niggas had tattoos. Everybody I knew after that wanted to get a tattoo. There were so many shitty tattoos that came from Jodeci. <laughs> so many black people right now have shitty tattoos yeah, because yeah. of that album. It Also, leave a comment. If you have a shitty tattoo because yeah. of Jodeci. Yeah, before that, it was all like dudes with like nose rings went to Wallapalooza. You know what I mean? Like, it was Who got, of- yeah, no one got fucking tattoos. But it in my community, you didn't get tattoos. That was like crazy felon white boy biker shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, for real. No, that, right? that's that's. It's weird to think about, but yeah, and like now it's like totally made like just oh yeah, this you know, this is really regrettable tattoo. I mean, look, hey, yeah. hey, hey, <laughs> Jodeci, Jodeci made this acceptable. There you go. There you go. Just know that someone says tattoos are the devil's work. Oh. Moon Pussy getting a shout out in the in the chat. Hell yeah, Moon Pussy's awesome. Those are my homies, Denver, Denver represent. I I I dude, I I got to figure out the next year we want to do. I was I was going back and forth. We were like, what year did that Black Sabbath album come out? Was it sixty or sixty nine? What year? Sixty eight and sixty nine are such monster. You man, dude. you have to do both sixty eight and sixty nine. You have yeah. to, you have to do 69. that. Would be like an epic length episode. I mean, there's so much. There's so much. You have to, but we're I, not I, going I, beyond 68. We're, I don't give a fuck what happened in 65. I don't want to talk about <laughs> any folk music. I don't give a shit if Joni Mitchell released the greatest thing you ever heard. I'm not talking about that shit, okay? <laughs> I'm not doing any. No, nah, no. Nah. 68 is where we fucking stop. Can I just say somebody shouted out Trap Mask Replica Beef Art record in the in the chat, and I will say if you are into Beefheart, you should probably check out Protonic Reversal pretty soon because I'm nailing something down that will be cool. 
That is all I will say. About <laughs> okay, that sounds interesting. Yeah, yeah, that that, that would it's going to be cool. Obviously, it's not going to be the captain. He's dead. So <laughs> we're going to resurrect him. <laughs> uh, no, it's interesting because like there's a podcast I listen to called "A History of Rock Music in 500 Songs." Real cool series. Mm-hmm. Uh, this English dude does it, which is hilarious because we mispronounce his stuff and it's like way wrong. It's like well, you never he, he's never heard that said aloud. He's this man's in England, but he's done a ton of episodes. And like he's only just now getting to sixty-eight. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because he starts at the beginning. Like, like seriously, like, like it's for Burl Street or yeah, like yeah, no, like yeah. and, and then when he gets to the like the blues guys, it's like yo, that's like 10, 12 episodes in. Like it, it it's like yeah. wow, this is this is this guy is no joke. Like he is, and it's eventually. I guess he will finish the series, but like by the time he gets to like the year we just did, it's like that's gonna be like 2030 or something. You know? <laughs> and be like Don Jr. running against Hunter Biden, and, and that's gonna be <laughs> that's gonna be because the thing is, you go so far back, it's like I don't know how old the people are that listen to this show. I don't know people's, I don't know everyone's musical taste, right? I, it, yeah, it, it, yeah. As much hate as I get for the intro musics on this show, but one thing I love is like I hate that intro music. And it's like, well, I did it. And then they'll hear Ben Ben Burgess's show that he does on yeah. here. And they'll be like, oh, yeah. I love that song. I did that too, you motherfucker. So when <laughs> you hear on here, I did. So you're going to hate one, hate it all, goddammit. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and like, well, it's the same thing. Like when I do, like, you know, I write all those themes for Moving Extravaganza too. I love the theme song. Cool. My band sounds nothing like that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but thank you. Just, like nothing at all like that. No, no. It doesn't sound at all. Kushluk says, "Oh my God, you did that! Not Ben Burgess's show for his main show, the show he does on this channel." Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, like yeah, jazz. Yeah. Not, uh, not, not this. No, I think that's some royalty-free stuff. So no, 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 no. But yeah, I, I, I definitely want to look at some of the years in the '80s. Doctor Claw saying '82. That's going to be a good show, actually. Ages, dude. When I was like, "Hey, we got the Cure pornography. We got Priest and Iron Maiden." With some of their like best records, yes. I didn't even mention oh. Junkyard by the Birthday Parties up in there too. Mm. Freaking Thriller! I mean, are you kidding me? Yeah, like that's said, 1999 cool. comes out in. in... That's Someone what asked saying, a question. Yeah. Hey, so the Quintern asked a question to us last night. Combat Rock, not my favorite Clash, but notable. And rock hey, I, w- I want to get, I want to get your, I want to get your yeah. answer on this. So the Quintern asked this question to to, to us. He goes, hey, J- Jason and Varn. He goes, do you count from people say like best of records or top five records? Do you count live albums and soundtracks? And the first thing I said was, fuck yeah, you count live albums. Kiss Alive and Frampton Comes Alive are two records that made those people. Cheap so trick you, live at Budokan. Live at Budokan, like you can't discount live records is some of your favorite records and he goes what about movie soundtracks i was like movie soundtracks i was like i said the lost boys is an amazing movie soundtrack and i said fucking purple rain oh yeah yeah oh that is a movie soundtrack sure so i was gonna say the the crow (laughs) natural born killers actually there were two Movie, movie soundtracks okay. will never get ignored. Live albums will never get ignored because yeah. there's some great fucking movie soundtracks. I have to go back and do my Twitter contest that I was doing that was so much fun for 80s movie soundtrack tape deck supremacy. It was a it was a tournament style 
contest where I would have soundtracks Brackets. face each other. Uh, so awesome. I had, you know, I had, I had. I the, miss that. I don't know. I, I ended it with Batman '89 and Purple. Oh, Rain. was that was that Bat Dance? Bat Dance? Yeah, the, Bat Dance. Yeah. Batman '89 has some bops on it, but uh, yeah, Batman '89 and Purple Rain are two. That's the that's Tim. That's a second Tim Burton one, right? Keaton. Uh, yes, yes, because he does Beetlejuice. Yeah. Before, yeah, yeah. I like that. I like that these kids are now recognizing that the Keaton Batman rocks. Because that's that's the, that those changed, movies are good. That changed the whole way we look at fucking superhero movies, man. Well, yeah, exactly. You could not have imagined how that landscape was because there was no like the Donner Superman, which which started off good enough and then got goofy AF. When, how when got fucking long was that shit? Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, dude. Look. All right, I don't want to keep you, Conan. Thank you for hanging out with me. No, no, hey, uh, it's this is a blast. Like what? I, so again, uh, I was trying to, to throw it to you to kind of close earlier that when we were making the description, we were already kind of arguing. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like what bands to highlight and and what because you want to kind of get you want to get like the optimist stuff, but you also want to get some of the more like kind of obscure influential yeah. stuff. As well. And what I love about that is like it's such a cool idea because everyone's gonna like i saw people throwing stuff in there like i, I didn't think about the cows i'm like look at the cows jesus christ of course yeah it's like one of their best records wow i love that and so i think this is a super cool idea because it allows you to engage with music differently like in a way that like this is like a record store game you yeah. know what i mean or like yeah. i would also characterize it as like a tour game right hey we got mm-hmm. like you know 10 hours of looking to these fields <laughs> Let's think of something to occupy our time. This, you know? Well, I'm going to see you soon because you're coming here next month. That's right. So, yeah. Conan Neutron, The Secret Friends, March 2nd, 3rd, 4th, 5th. We're playing it was like Costa Mesa, Bakersfield, Los Angeles, and San Francisco with McCluskey. Those are the two big shows. But it sounds like that Monday LA show is going to be like a who's who of podcasters, which is hilarious to me. Uh, oh, is Ben coming? If, if, if you come out, not just Ben, Chris Wade's coming. Uh, Dan from the internet's coming. Like all mm-hmm. these people are coming out from the, from the woodwork, which I'm like, great. It's just funny. It's a Monday. It's like nobody podcasts on Monday, huh? All right. <laughs> ben has a show on Monday. So should I come to LA or should I meet you in Costa Mesa? The LA show's gonna be good. I mean, the, the Costa Mesa show's gonna be like that's. A, Where's the, Where is the LA show? I don't. Uh, uh, Echoplex. I'll put you on the list for for that. Okay. Come out of that. That'll be cool because, like, that's then you can see McCluskey too. McCluskey's great, they're killing it on this tour, yeah. And then I might even who knows, I might even stop down and come visit too. So, oh, that would be wonderful. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what the day takes. All I know is I'm I am ready, man. I've been sitting here staring at these walls, I'm ready to get back at it. Like, last time, last time I played was that tour I saw you. Oh, I guess so. You know, yeah. there's nothing that makes me miss and not miss touring more than seeing good friends. <laughs> loading like, in I, I, and loading out. I, yeah, I, yeah. I'll, yeah, I'll see you on stage like, oh, man, I missed this. And then I'm like, I don't miss that. Yeah, yeah. Not the other parts, right? I not, don't, not great. Mm, no, don't, don't miss it. But uh, <laughs> are you bringing the whole band or are you coming by yourself? Down to your next woods? I think, I I think Tony Ash needs to come visit Mexico. I agree. I don't think that's going to happen this time, but we'll, we, we can talk about some of this off air, I suppose, too. But, okay. uh, but yeah, and there's, oh, I should, I would be, those guys are going to get pissed at me if I don't mention that we're doing, we're covering a lot of the Oscar movies this month, a movie extravaganza. Oh, okay. 
So we just did, we did past lives, which rocks. What did we do this last? Oh, I forgot. That's terrible. Holdovers. You, you my favorite movie of the year. I, I heard Holdovers is really good. I haven't seen it. I heard it's really good. We're doing May, December this week, and then American Fiction, then Four Things, and then we're doing another Oscar special where it's a live stream. My, and a daughter bunch of told me, my daughter told me she's got an American fiction screener. So she goes, dad, when you come up here, because I'm going up north next week. She goes, dad, we, okay. north, we can, uh, we can watch it. I'm, I'm curious as your take on it. I, I liked it quite a bit. And protonic reversal, of course, I, I've stepped up. Yeah. The, the background for my, <laughs> my thing there. You better do that, that's, that's, that's my main show. And I stepped up production big time. Like I said, uh, Peter Prescott, Mr. Burma recently, John Wright, no means no. I'm talking to Steve Turner from mud honey and about, Half hour, <laughs> something like that. Oh no, no, actually it's four. We we change it, so I get I get get a little bit of a break. So if if you are into music, one would imagine you would be if you are listening to this show. <laughs> then you should check out if you don't already. Conan Richards Protonic Reversal because uh, I'm celebrating ten years of that podcast. Come up April. Thank you. When when am, how famous do I have to be music wise to be on Protonic? You want to come on again? You've been on, you've been on Protonic. Yeah. But it was like years ago. I just, I got to promote edition two of the book. I got to tell you about, yeah, yeah, let's do it. I got to tell you about part two, come as you are. Yeah. The neoliberalization of leftism. Lay it on me. Let, let, let's figure out a date. Like I said, I, since I'm, I mean, I, other than, other than the show and like what I make from music, nothing. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm unemployed right now. You know, so I'm, that's why I've stepped up production, and that's why early access for Protonic. There's no exclusives, but it's a dollar a month, and it's like the Bernie Sanders. And it's, it's a well, lot of people donate. Can I? I want to say this. <laughs> I I really enjoy what you do, and I know it's a kind of a different crossover with music in these more yeah. political shows. But if you if you like alternative noise, rock, heavy music, because you've had a little bit of every, you had people from. Neurosis. Dave Lombardo mm-hmm. Slayer on. That yeah, was- yeah. Dave Lombardo was on the show. So I had Tony Visconti, David Bowie's a producer. I'm gonna have to, I might have him on again, actually. So if you like music discussions, kind of deep divey stuff, yeah. There's two really good shows. Conan is definitely one of them. And I don't know if you ever listen to the Full in Bloom show. That guy has actually a really good. No, show. I don't even know that one. I'll he does that. more like 80s. He has a lot of 80s hair stuff. Okay. He gets a lot of the producers on there, and that's where he had the producer that did the Poison record that told the whole story about even how they blew up, which is hilarious. It's yeah, sure, accidental. Yeah, yeah. It's a great story. But again, if you want to hear great tour stories and in-depth recording stuff, Protonic Reversal is a, is a great show. I forget, do, you, do you like Swans? You like sw- the band Swans? They're a little all over the place, but yeah, yeah. We, we used to have the same PR company. Oh, yeah, that's right. So Norm Westberg from Swans is up Monday. That's the last one I'm doing for a takeoff for tour. But we're going to, like I said, see Bartok. Visconti did do a few Thin Lizzy tracks as well. Yeah, we talked about oh, that. So, so see Bartok, one go, one go, going to do a second part to it. Because we had, we did like an hour and a half and like we freaking barely got to like through half the discography. I'm like, we're going to do another one. All right. Then I got to so, check that out because I actually do dig going, go, boingo. And like that man has a crazy, he's up in like the strawberry alarm clock and stuff like it's wild. And like doing all that stuff with Danny Elfman, like midnight run and all that, like all that soundtrack work and stuff. Really interesting. We barely scratched the surface. Did he play the Coachella thing with Elfman? Yes. Yeah. And he still, he still plays like with, with him 
yeah, yeah. It, it's a it's a whole thing. Anyway, like it's if you're into that kind of thing, that's my show. Which is like I don't know, man. What's ten years in like podcast years? Like ninety or something, right? Dude, yeah, like you're still here, man. <laughs> none of this stuff we are talking about right now ain't none of this existed when I started it. Nothing. It was like hardware. So it was go down to Bryce Electronics. What's that? Well, it was a place <laughs> you went to. You would buy a Bay Area chain. Stuff. A Bay Area chain of of. So when I first did Protonic, you had a co-host. It was in your house. As I moved in, in the I town. Moved house. Yeah, that's right. Oh yeah. man. Look, let's get off the fucking air. You got that. Okay, we, we're just BSing now. Um, <laughs> thank you guys so much for hanging out with me and Conan. I will be back Tuesday with Cedric Johnson, where we're going to talk about the migrant situation in Chicago and how the black citizens are responding. So to Steve's call in the champagne room where he said I didn't have enough black people on for February. Oh, Steve, I got you. I'm going to modify the fuck out of the rest of this month. Don't you worry. And on that note. (laughs) Okay. We are out. Thank you.